What's good, people? What is good? Hope everybody is well on this uh, beautiful Wednesday, as it were. Yeah. Y'all know what it is. Welcome to the Onyx Report, where we as black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. Yeah. Hope everybody is good. Uh, as we are trying to get it in. So uh, broadcasting today on um, innerlightradio.com, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitch. So um, hope you guys are receiving me well. Shout out to uh, D-Hive, Barry Little. What's up? Larry, what's going on? Cynical Optimist. I'm listening. What's happening? Rashid Barnes. Y'all know what it is. Y'all know what it is. It's been a little minute. I will remind you. Uh, please make sure you support the show. Like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel. You can become a member through YouTube. Choose your level of membership, or you can go to Patreon, become a monthly uh, supporter that way. Or you can support the Institute for Black Male Studies uh, through Patreon as well. You can also go to the Institute for Black Male Studies website, that is instituteforblackmalestudies.com, and actually go into the store. When you click the menu, click store. And you can find uh, several symposiums. You can find uh, classes on black male studies um, or you can find merchandise support. Uh, you can support that way as well. So hopefully you will. There's a recent lecture that was just put up this past weekend um, that many of you may find useful. And it deals with uh, black male politics or the black male political agenda. Um, but more specifically, it's entitled Off the Plantation. Black Male Politics is the Answer. It's under our webinar series, and you can go in there and actually support the Institute and check out the lecture. So a number of options there. Hopefully you will find one that suits you and support so that we can uh, actually expand on what we're doing, right? So um, that said, shout out to the Inner Light crowd who are listening. I hope you guys are well wherever you are. There's been brothers responding all the way from Korea to, you know, uh, all over the world. So shout out to all of y'all listening uh, who've been supporting the Onyx Report through there. Um, shout out to Jamal doing excellent work. Um, so a few more people in here. What's up, Jay Cleveland? Rashid, what's going on? Uh, we got uh, MLR in the house. What's up? Hope everybody's well. Mikhail, Hybrid Ninjas, what's going on? C-Truth, right. Ron, what's the word? So, yeah, let's get it in. But y'all know how we do before we start. A couple of preliminaries to get into. And one of those is the Sacred Black Masculine series. And this is one that I generally use, um, you know, to talk about what black men are doing. But it, it, it depends on how it comes across my desk. Sometimes it's something sent to me. Sometimes it's just organically uh, there. And so I just kind of treat it as such. Shout out to High Scholar, Golden Child, Taylor. What's going on? Yeah. Um, here we go. So let me pull up. All right. Okay. So as far as the first in the Sacred Black Masculine series to run across my desk, um, hopefully you guys are familiar with this brother here. Um, there's a there's a plenty of articles you can find. The one I'm looking at at the moment comes off of CBSNews.com entitled The Man Who Beat Amazon Says he ju He's Just Getting Started. Yeah. 
So if you're not familiar, uh, this is a piece you can check out here that deals with it more in depth. It says, after becoming the first of the online re retailers, U.S. workers to vote in favor of forming a union, Amazon employees in New York aren't resting on their laurels. We already have interests in other buildings. Christian Smalls, who spearheaded the fledgling Amazon labor unions battle against the $1.7 trillion company, told CBS, and outlining what the group is planning next. Uh, in the last 48 hours, I've definitely been contacted by workers from all over the country that want to start their own Amazon labor union. We're going to absolutely help them. Smalls, who is uh, interim president of the ALU, formed the group last year after Amazon fired him in March 2020 following his efforts to organize protests over Amazon's COVID protocols. He said the ALU wants to take its fight to any Amazon facility where workers show an interest in organizing. Um, workers at an Amazon warehouse in Alabama last week cast their ballots for a second time on whether to unionize. The outcome of that vote is still unknown, pending a final tally of votes. ALU's list of demands include higher pay, more promotions and better working conditions. The union is asking Amazon to raise associates pay by 7.5% to match the soaring rate of inflation, reinstate 20 minute breaks and provide a shuttle for workers. The Group's victory in Staten Island is expected to reverberate across the country as labor activists have long fought to unionize workers at Amazon, the country's second largest uh, uh, private employer behind Walmart. An Amazon spokesperson told CBS News that, com that the company is disappointed in the outcome of the vote and may challenge it. Right. Before being fired two years ago, Smalls worked as a processing assistant for Amazon on Staten Island. In making the case for higher pay and better working conditions, he noted the physical strain of toiling at one of the company's facilities given their massive size. You're doing 10 to 12 hours of calisthenics, not even including your commute, which could be two and a half or three hours depending on where you live in New York City. So shout out to the brother um, who has been definitely pushing boundaries. What's up, AB? Hope you're well. Um, Christopher, what's going on? Central Entities, you know, Kiel, you know, got a number of people in here. 152 watching, like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Y'all know what it is. Um, second one and last one before we delve in is this one here. This is one you can pick up off of today.com entitled New Orleans Program Helps Young Boys Who Are Without Fathers. Uh-oh. Hold on. Let me make sure this is plugged up. Shout out to David for the Cash App support. Appreciate that. Um, all right. So this one is entitled, uh, the, so this one reads, Sonny Lee is the founder of Son of, a Son of a Saint. Uh, Sonny Lee is the founder of Son of a Saint, a mentorship program in New Orleans that provides young boys without fathers paired mentorships uh, and activities that range from cooking classes to sporting events. Lee joins Hoda and Jenna and is surprised with a donation of 15,000 and laptops from Amazon, interestingly enough. Um, oh, okay. Very short to the point. Yes, that one is. Um, so, yeah. Just, I guess, a shout out <laughs> uh, about that one. I thought it was more involved. Um, but anyway, yeah. So this one, uh, definitely check out New Orleans. Remember the Son of a Saint program. Uh, yeah. Let me move this back over here. so We can uh, get my little system operating properly. 
move some things around for a quick second. Now, on this given topic, many of you are familiar with the recent article that came out uh, dealing with the issue of not just interracial relationships, but more specifically, the call for black women to consider marrying um, white men. And this was a piece that came off the New York Post. So I shot a message to a couple of the brothers. Um, uh oh, looks like I lost them. They came in and left. So I'm not sure where they went. Enjoying the decline. I appreciate that support. Hope you're well. Uh, hmm, interesting. Okay. I had a few brothers and they vanished. I don't know. StreamYard may be doing some interesting stuff these days. Anyway, so we're going to delve into this article just to make sure we're all on the same page. Go through it a little bit here. So this is the piece, right? New York Post. There we go. Hold on. Uh, well, one of the brothers came back through. I don't know what is going on, but let me welcome my good brother, Dr. Ronald Neal. What's up, man? Hey, hey, hey. What's happening? How you doing? You, man. What's the word? Hey, man. Uh, just moving forward, brother. Moving forward? Uh, you over here shutting down YouTube, man. I, I, I was checking you out dealing with uh, Melanie King just a minute ago. Uh, Melody King. <laughs> is that her name? I may have gotten her name wrong, but uh, you were on dealing with. You were on Obsidian's panel. Uh, oh yeah! Oh, 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 oh my God! That was, that was that was something else, man. Uh, oh boy! And that, that you said, man. I, I um, let's just say that I. Uh, I, I, I was unrestrained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If y'all haven't had a chance to see Dr. Neil unrestrained, you want to get definitely check out his uh the, the piece he did on Obsidian's panel. Uh, <laughs> and uh so welcome back. It's good to see you, brother, hear from you, brother. Oh, yeah. I also want to welcome Green Gorilla. What's up, man? What's up, man? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, everybody now I had to call y'all. I'm like, man, we're gonna deal with this. Uh I need the brothers to, to come through. So I appreciate both of y'all coming. Yes, sir. Um, we got another visitor who will be a little coming in a little bit later. Uh, but y'all know the deal. So um, here's the piece as we uh, as we see it. Uh, NewYorkPost.com. And what I'll do is I'll go paragraph to paragraph. And um, after each paragraph, if either one of you want to weigh in, uh, feel free to do so. Shout out to MLR for that support. Much appreciation. Uh, dang, this thing is, here we go. So here we go. So uh, why why more black women should consider marrying white men? This is by Ralph Rich, uh, Ralph Richard Banks, uh, who I'm sure we'll get into talking about shortly. Um, but he is uh, an author. He's done some other things. So he's you know we're familiar with his work prior to this piece. But uh, let's delve into it. So, of course, you got the uh, infamous uh, kind of picture that's been passed around and divestors are going crazy, you know, over it of uh, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson and her husband, Patrick, right, sharing a tender moment, right? Anyway, so it reads, uh, two of the most powerful positions in the United States government will soon be held for the first time by black women, Kamala Harris and Katanji Brown Jackson. Harris, as we all know, as vice president of the United States and Brown Jackson could soon become a Supreme Court justice. Um, 
But Harris and Brown Jackson also share a personal attribute that is equally noteworthy, each as a white husband. Anybody want to jump in early? It's all up to you. Uh, so now uh, Kamala Harris is black now, huh? <laughs> oh, uh, she, she's, a, she's a black woman now, huh? <laughs> only when it's convenient. Only when it's convenient. Yeah. Oh, man. You know. yeah, I, want, I, I want to see more. <laughs> You know, I want to. I didn't. I purposefully didn't uh, read this article so I could give a knee jerk reaction to it. <laughs> I don't know if the internet can handle Gigi with a knee jerk reaction. That's oh yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be calm though. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna be no viscerality tonight, man. I'm just gonna be reserved and uh, just rational, just cutting edge, uh, direct and to the point, acerbic. Uh... Oh, man. But, uh, man, a personal attribute, a personal attribute that is equally noteworthy. Each has a white husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're gonna. Uh... You, you know, you, you know I, I mean the. <laughs> this is a black man. You know, this is a black man, Ralph Richard Banks. And I'm just going to put all my cards on the table. I'm not a fan of Ralph Richard Banks, and mm-hmm. I'm familiar with his work. And I, you know, I have the book he wrote over ten years ago, his marriage for white people, and right. it's trash. Um, and it, this is just—I don't know—you know him coming back once again, coming out the uh, the woodwork too. Uh, take us back to the 1990s and the 2000s and all the anti-black male rhetoric that we had to live through during those decades, man. Right. Well, let's uh, let's see if he lives up to your your critique. Uh, he continues with this fact is significant as far as the white husband. The effects of racism have left well-educated black women with a paucity of black male partner. According to Brookings Institute data, black men are less likely than black women to have completed high school and 50% less likely to have attained a four-year college degree. Yet despite the shortage of suitable black partners, black women have also been the least likely of any minority group to marry outside of their race, according to the data from the Pew Research Center. Okay, so, you know, it's time for me to jump in now. Um, (laughs) um, You know, He's basically saying in the first, well, the second sentence in the second paragraph or the third paragraph, the effects of racism have left well-educated black women with the paucity of black male partners. Right. Okay. So ultimately what this means to me is, is that if you're a black woman and you have a college degree, there's not a great pool of black men for you to marry who match up to your educational level. And so therefore, uh, you know, later on in the paragraph, he <clears throat> he's basically saying, you know, that they're the least likely to marry outside of their racial group. Now, racism is something that black people can't control from white white folks. And if it is the case that there's a dearth of educated black men and that's related to racism, then what he's actually asking for black women to do is to basically forget about any kind of social and political justice related to black men to just, you know, create a cleavage, leave them behind. Mm. 
I mean, that's the implication that I get from this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the reason that black men, and this is what I'm implying from what he's saying, that mm -hmm. they don't have as much education as black women is because of racism. Mm. So that's something that black men have no control over. But of course, you know, this is a neoliberal, you know, uh, liber liberal society. And mm -hmm. so, you know, people can choose whatever they want to do with, you know, th their own persons. They, I mean, they, they can choose alternative life plans. Mm -hmm. um, but then the question, you know, becomes, well, why is it the case that black women are the least likely to marry outside of their race? Why, why is that? And that's a question and I'm waiting to see if he'll actually answer. And I think that ultimately where he's going to go with this is that black women aren't marrying outside of their race because they don't want to. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they don't have a desire to. It's being framed as a virtue. It's being framed, you know, because the subtext to that virtue is that black women are more loyal. And I've heard this literally stated. They're more loyal to black men than, than vice versa. And the evidence of that is supposed to be how, how few black women marry out. So the idea is that they're waiting for, for black men and they're passing up invitations and proposals left and right from other groups of men. That's it, you know, and black men are just, you know, they're, they're not appreciative. You know, they don't acknowledge this sacrifice being made. They're ungrateful and they don't value black women at least that's the way, you know, it, it's come across in other conversations. I'm not saying he's arguing that yet. We'll find out. Uh, shout out to Charles. Shout out to uh, 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 Miss, uh, Miss Bailey, Mrs. Bailey. Hope you're well, um, as well as Uneducated Lane, Ghetto User. What's going on, people? Uh, un uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, just wanted to catch up a little bit on that. But yeah, that's the that's the kind of subtext. So let's see where uh, they go from there. Rather than partner with men of other races, many heterosexual black women either don't marry or marry black men with whom they are not especially well matched. And these mismatched relationships contribute to African-Americans having the highest divorce rate of any racial group. In fact, black women are the only demographic to have a higher divorce. Uh, um, oh, shit. Did I miss it? Oh, I have a higher divorce rate than uh, marriage rate. Okay, so went over to the side. So any thoughts about that? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what, what he what he means when he says not especially well matched. I, there's a link there. I don't know what the uh, the link uh, leads to. Uh, no Scrubs, The Dilemma of Modern African-American Women by David Kaufman. So, so, I mean, you know, this is very insulting and deleterious to black men. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, we're making reference to a TLC song. You, you don't want to scrub for a husband. Right. You know, and black men, for the most part, are scrubs. Uh, they don't have the same educational level as black women. And, and all of this is, uh, you know, to me, to be quite perfectly honest, is, is really superficial. OK, mm -hmm. uh, so if you don't have the same educational level as black women or, or if you're not making the exact same amount of money, as black women, then, you know, uh, you ought not, you know, if you're a woman, you ought not really actually partner up or pair up with some man who's making less than you. But this is, this is the issue. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, like, how is it that you expect to engage 
in the marketplace and to be a social and political equal of men. But then you still want to hold on to these anachronistic standards, these mm -hmm. values, these norms associated with what, you know, a good man is. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to change your perception of what a good man is. And that's I think. But that, they don't want to do that. that. That's something that they're not prepared to do. But, but I, think ahead, just, I, think, I think you just hit on the core of that whole issue to me, because here, here's the thing. We assume that income and education always go hand in hand. And there have been plenty of brothers to come up and communicate to us that even though they didn't have a college degree, but, you know, were fairly well set in their blue collar lives, they may they often earn more than the women they were with who had college degrees and they didn't have uh, tens of thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars of loan with loan of loan money. Excuse me. Uh, so, you know, this this idea that somehow because black men don't have as many college degrees, there's a there's a kind of underlying assumption that black men are, you know, just really doing nothing. Now, this whole issue of a degree and its value to say that, you know, black men have problems, they're not evenly matched and black women have to settle and, and deal with the insecurities of these men without degrees. This I've heard this language since the 1980s. Right. This the, the popular narrative is that black men just can't handle women with degrees. They can't handle women who make more. I have family members associates, women I've been to school with, students who have made these kinds of arguments as well. But one of the things I haven't heard is how men actually feel. I've heard how other people characterize how men feel, but not necessarily what men feel. And when I talk to men, even my students about their relationship, these are students that have not completed their degrees yet, and they're dealing with women. Uh, and one of the things they talk about is it's not always about the degrees. Sometimes it's about the entitlement, Sometimes it's about the arrogance or narcissism. Sometimes it's about the feeling of superiority, even if she makes considerably less than he does because he doesn't have a college education. Sometimes it's the lack of confidence in him. Sometimes it's just the assumption that he's a lesser being because he doesn't have. There's a lot of factors to this. But what Banks is doing here in this article is framing it along the narratives we've heard at least since the 1980s that black men are just you know behind. They can't handle it. Uh, and they're not evenly matched, and these women have to to suffer alone with you know men that they're above. Uh, shout out to MS Delta, appreciate that support, the generous support. But um, so you know, yeah. we're, we're, Oh, go ahead, brother. Let, let's just let's just call it what it is, man. This is veiled elitism, you yes. know. Yes, and, yes. And, and, and deep classism. This is deep classism, bro. Elitism, yeah. class elitism. That's 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 what this is, and that's what we have been dealing with. Um, in terms of, you know, these questions and issues around, you know, so-called, you know, professional educated women and men who um, don't have, you know, uh, formal education and what have you. I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. And they use all this language, like the scrubs piece, mm -hmm. you know, is it, just another way, another way of saying, you know, we're exceptional mm -hmm. and you're not. And mm -hmm. we're not going to get with a, a man who doesn't meet our you know, standards of what it means to be, you know, uh, where we are, you know, the queen and all of that, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, here's the thing, because we're talking about marriageability, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. what's so interesting about this is that prior generations, um, you know, prior to the 80s, I mean, you had, I, I know personally, I knew, 
you know, when I was, you know, a young, you know, young man working in churches uh, in the early 90s and even before that, man, you know, black Baptist churches and Pentecostal churches, I see these couples, man, educated black woman. She's a she's a, a, a teacher uh, and her husband is a longshoreman. OK, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or he, he works, he works, you know, uh, in the plant somewhere, you know what I'm saying? And. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I saw those couples. They were they were uh, boomer types. They were uh, silent generation types, or what have you. Um, um, but fast forward to you know to, to Gen X and um, and these and the late boomers and stuff like that. Everything just shifted. You know what I mean. And, and now it's trickled down to these newer generations and what have you. And but yeah, and it's and it's a it's a kind of classism that they want to justify. Mm-hmm. You know. And they want to rationalize, um, and they're oblivious to what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, well, look, th- what this is is the reduction of marriage ability and compatibility to whether or not you have a four-year college degree. Mm. That's mm. that's absolutely absurd. And then you know, it reduces intelligence and mm. political understanding and just overall social awareness, it reduces it to having a four-year college degree as if, you know, that was the litmus test, the, you know, the, uh, the yeah. standard by which you measure, you know, uh, intimate partner relationships. Right. But, you know, uh, and men have never thought that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, men have never had that as a standard. Like, well, you know, my woman has to have, a four-year college degree or else she's unmarriageable. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and and the, the fact that there's a black man, a Stanford law professor mm-hmm. making this argument, right. it just shows you, you know, uh, his, you know, elitism and arrogance and, uh, you know, his, his, his overall ignorance, as far as I'm concerned, this is, and, and one of the things that, that really bothers me about this is that, you know, within the context of the past 50 to 60 years, and you know, Dr. Neal and I have been talking about this uh, to some degree. Um, you know, there's been a shift in what social justice requires in the United States of America. So we've shifted from material dialectics. And I know that sounds like, uh, you know, artsy fartsy, but at one particular point in time, there was a dedication to eradicating poverty, to creating, you know, social conditions and economic conditions for everyone such that they could get health care, such that they could, you know, uh, have affordable housing, such that they could have, uh, you know, a labor market to enter into, which would ensure that their needs were met. But Mm -hmm. there's no dedication to this anymore. This is, to me, a tacit acceptance of the basic structure of the culture or and society that we have. There's no more work to be done uh, along the lines of trying to eradicate poverty for everyone. This has just re- been reduced to cultural or, or, or rec- recognition politics. It's identity politics on steroids. And I think this is a bad turn. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this guy here, I mean, this this is what the left is doing now. I I don't know if this guy is a conservative, but 
All politics have been reduced to cultural politics. There's no more struggling for basic economic fairness for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's just the assumption that the system is fair, it's open, and that people who actually aren't performing uh, well within the system have some sort of moral shortcoming. And even if they don't have a moral shortcoming, which is, he seems to imply in the third paragraph when he talks about how racism has created these kind of conditions, what's his answer to this? Like, I I don't hear him expounding upon, well, let's find out what's going on with black males and why they're falling behind in terms of formal education. I just hear him say, well, you know, because black men don't have formal education, it's time for black women to start marrying white men. Like, that's going to solve all the social and right. political racial complexities that we have because ultimately what's going to end up happening is that white man and that black woman if they do reproduce they're going to have more black babies and then because the situation has never been rectified they're going to fall into the same traps well let me got, huh? go ahead i'll go ahead and finish your thought no go you go ahead okay i'm just uh let me uh do some uh handle some house business so shout out to ms delta guy shout out to deanie uh, for the support, shout out to Sea Truth Revelator, Ernest Smith, appreciate that. Uh, MS again, Dardar, uh, appreciate that support. Also, let me uh, acknowledge uh, Expansion Wiring, Daryl, uh, the Revelator, Art of Ibmores, what's up, Art, and David for the uh, cash up, appreciate that. Um, but let's let's find out more about uh, where where he's trying to take this. So, um, a bit more than a decade ago, I published a book, Is Marriage for White People? that examined the decline in marriage across American society and especially among African-Americans and focused in particular on the predicament of black women. The book raises the possibility that black women like Harris and Brown Jackson would do well to open themselves to partnering with men who are not black. After all, black men appear to have no problem marrying out. That same Pew report revealed they are twice as likely as black women to have a non-black spouse. My book generated considerable controversy and exposed fissures within black America. While younger people appeared more open to interracial relationships, a black woman old enough to be my mother made a point of telling me that I was a disgrace to my race. Also welcoming in here, uh, Brother BGS. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, your mind is saying, uh, um, put your chat on slow because it's it's coming too fast. We've got a lot of people in here. We've got over, got like 450 people in, so. I don't know how to do that. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, you should be able to, it should be down there at the bottom, says, uh, uh, put the chat uh, no, uh, respond it. every 30 seconds in, in your YouTube. Oh, I'm not in YouTube, I'm on the uh, stream yard. Okay, all right, I can do that. Never, never mind, <laughs> they're asking me to do it. I said, I can't do it. I'll try to. You can't do that now. You can go to live stream, you can hit YouTube and go to your live stream, and you should be yeah. streaming. You should see it, you should and then, see it, yeah, and then you could uh, you know, change the uh, parameters of the timing of the chat. Okay, yeah. I mean, you can you can add more latency to it. Yeah, it should it should be down there near the bottom of, of your chat. But if you can't, you can't. No, I don't see it. it. I'm in, okay. I'm in YouTube now, but I don't see it. Uh, okay. Go to your live. Are you I in am, live? I'm there. And it should, down, it, it, it should be down. It should be right at the bottom of the chat box. No, nope. says custom emojis. It has show your support. It has create a poll. Um, that's Nothing. it. Create a poll. Oh, all right. Okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My apologies, people. I don't. I don't see it. So uh, I might have to get a, a training after this on where to find it. Mm -hmm. no, don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. So anyway. and, and you, but the funny thing about this is, uh, you know, 
you just recently did a show, Dr. Johnson, and uh, the show was about how black women, you know, of all ages, they look at you askance if you come to a function or an event with a white woman. Mm-hmm. And I've had I've had like women my mother's age and you know my age tell me don't bring home a white woman. Mm-hmm. I mean like literally just like tell me don't bring a white woman uh woman uh to the party. Don't bring like first of all like what what is it about me that you know screams white woman to begin with? You know like I, I, I you're educated. That is exactly it. Mm-hmm. So because I'm educated, mm-hmm. they already know that I have the option to choose someone other than a black woman. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not something that I have done, but I've had the option. I've had white women come on to me. I've been at the bar. They don't know what educational level I'm, I have. It's not like, my, you know, when I'm in a bar with a T-shirt and jeans on that, you know, I'm screaming, here I am, PhD, Here, here I go. You know, it's it's just that, okay, these women are attracted to me. I'm tall, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm not the best looking guy, but I'm not the worst looking guy. I mean, I guess, you know, they want to have a conversation and be social. But, I mean, this idea that, you know, you shouldn't marry or you shouldn't be uh, with with a white woman or, or have relations with a white woman, like, but then, you know, that same restriction doesn't apply to black women, especially mm-hmm. in, when it comes to public office, when it comes to, uh, you know, in, being an entertainer or an athlete, you know, I mean, this kind of thing is supported and endorsed. But but then again, you know, uh, black women have always had sexual relations with white men, but right. not marriageability. Yeah, these restrictions the, are always on black men. They're on them. But this is this gets at uh, the core of dataclisms. If you guys remember the book Dataclisms that came out, right, uh, where, they, where they tallied over a million people, a million couplings uh, through OK Cupid, and one mm-hmm. of the things they found was that in terms of the least desirable groups, it was Asian men and mm-hmm. black women. Right. So, so this whole framework that black women are passing up marriages with white men. Mm-hmm. Out of fealty to black men, out of out of out of a sense of blackness that black men are just disregarding this this narrative mm-hmm. has gotten to be so comfortable in black America when we talk about interracial relationships that it's passed for truth without examination. Yeah, yeah. Bill Hook said the exact same thing in in the 1980s that uh, it's it's not the refusal of of white men to date them or have sex with them; it's the refusal of, of white men to actually marry them. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't changed much. It hasn't changed. Nope. She said it wouldn't change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let me see. Well, you you know why it won't change. I mean, it's the, the answer to this is really simple. Mm-hmm. Black women don't give birth to white children. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. So mm-hmm. therefore, I mean, if you want a white child, if you're a white person, you perceive yourself as, you know, wanting to continue on your racial you know heritage and lineage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're gonna marry somebody white yeah it's just it's, it's not really that difficult to understand and black and, and most uh, and, and most black children are not uh welcome in the white society so so they have a strike against them. that's how that's how come the uh because i actually looked at the at the at the birth rates right they had the 
by the National Institutes of Health, right? Uh, 15% of black children are actually birthed, actually uh, uh, sired by either white men or Latino men, but they're not marriaging. It's not reflected in the marriage rates. Well, and then also notice, also notice that white men are undifferentiated, right? Mm -hmm. So white men are just just blob. Okay, marry a white man, as though you know. Throughout his book and his in in this article and in other places and you know with these type of um, engagements around this issue, it's always you know dissecting black men, right? Mm-hmm. And and pointing out these economic uh, and and uh, social deficits and all that kind of stuff, but when it comes down to them talking about when they're when they're presenting this so-called solution, all right, to this problem, there is no analysis. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so, you know, you look at so you got Katanji Brown and you got um, Kamala Harris. Notice, you know, Kamala Harris married a man who already had been married and had kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, she ain't having no kids, you know, uh, and, and and these are men. Uh, and I think, yeah, uh, Jackson Brown, she's uh, I think they have kids as well. Um, but but, yeah, there's no there's no analysis of these men. The fact that these women occupy in rarefied, you know, air spaces and that and, and that these marriages are, are really proxy marriages, you know what I mean, hmm. based upon where people are uh mm. in the in the social world okay mm-hmm. i mean you don't you, you don't katanji brown she's you know she's undergraduate from harvard a law degree from harvard uh she was just tracked in this very white world where where you're not gonna find even if you do find them find black men those black men again yeah they have their options and and they can date whoever they want to the, the higher you go up the social scale but the it's irony, right. the irony people miss, though, is is white men at the same level have even more options in terms right. of, of how they're valued. And mm-hmm. yet somehow, you know, the onus comes down to black men of sorts. It, like, it's, it's, you know, it's black men's fault. But, you know, there's a couple of posts I just put up uh, from the chat, one from M- MS Delta, who says, facts, imagine the backlash from black women if an article was written telling successful black men to marry white women. Mm-hmm. Right? There would be a different response. And we've seen this where black women are celebrated for whatever interracial relationships they get in, especially if it's with a high profile white man. It's treated as an accomplishment. When black men do it, it's a, you know, they're socially punished publicly. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Uh, the mm-hmm. other comment that was raised was from ghetto user. He says, um, oh, as soon as it, uh, yeah, it's moving fast. And <laughs> I just lost it. Uh, it was, okay. Here it is. So it says, uh, as if all other women are, all other women are going to step aside. If it was that easy, black women would have done it, done this already, right? Which raises a whole nother question about competition. And one of the things that black men have been saying, especially on YouTube for a while now, is that um, black women don't really perceive us as somebody to be competed for. They don't, they don't engage us in the sense of uh, outproving others for uh, uh, other women for their value. They, they tend to treat black men as uh, a given that they, in fact, that black men are owed to them, especially if they have accomplished something in the world, degrees, so on and so forth, that high profile black men are owed, right? Um, let's see. So those have been some of the things, and you guys can see what I posted on the screen here in terms of uh, the black marriage race. Now these are 2017, 
Not sure if there's been a dramatic change in the last five years. You guys, not dr- not dramatic. It hasn't been dramatic. Yeah. yeah, slight but not dramatic. Right. But all and in you, all, and, and go ahead. yeah, I, look, 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 I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something later. Because I saw <laughs> I saw no I saw a comment that you know a, a lot of people have this conception that you know that you know if. A, a white man marries a black woman and the, the child is going to be white because the you know every child is the seed of the father right yeah and and look that's just absolutely ridiculous man like america specifically is a country that has always observed the one drop rule if you got one drop of black blood doesn't matter if it's a father or a mother right. you're black yeah. if you're, you're visibly right. black you're black Take Diana Ross's daughter, for example. Is anybody saying that that's a white woman? Nope. I mean, like anywhere in the world, does someone perceive that woman as a white woman? Nope. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody does. So, mm-hmm. so this whole idea that you know you are who your father is is it's ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, especially in a country as racially, uh, you know, balkanized as the United States has been. And it's still now. So, I mean, you know, uh, that, that's the only comment I wanted to make about that. Go ahead. Sorry well, about is, that. But this is why this is why I wanted people to see the data. Even though it's five years old, I don't think there's been a dramatic change, as BGS has pointed out. But if you look at it, they actually have a slice of the pie on the screen dealing with white spouses. And as you can see, for black women, it's only 4%. For black men, it's 9%. But more than 85% of black men who, who, who marry, marry black women, black women marry black men. It is what it is. But the percentage we're arguing over is about 5%. That's the Mm -hmm. difference Mm -hmm. in the numbers of men, black men and women who marry white spouses. It's about 5%. And 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 due to that 5%, uh, along with black men's uh, inability to overcome white supremacy with a a blink of an eye, Mm -hmm. you you have articles like this suggesting that uh, they should leave wholesale. Mm-hmm. And they'll find happiness on the other side of the fence with white men. Yeah, if they could have, they would have. Well, that, yeah, and 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 then you know, I suppose we're not going to talk about the the number of women we found dead in the last few months that were doing that very same thing. Uh, for some reason, these articles never really seem to cover uh, the cost of the history of racism, the history of stereotyping, the history of the perspective that black folk were in inhuman. And the degree to which that can play out even in relationships where people perceive black men and women as, you know, uh, walking, living stereotypes, sexual fetishes, um, you know, beings to not be considered human. So when those remember those black women were coming up dead who were who were trying to go out and meet new zaddies. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if he's going to cover that phenomenon in this article. But No, no he's not. <laughs> he won't do that one. Let's see. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. But he continues. But the most significant fissure was between black men and women. While some black women were made uncomfortable by the book and the way it put them in the spotlight, many others embraced its message of empowerment. Mm-hmm. That was a message that not all black men wanted to hear. See, the, see, yeah, the problem is that we don't want to hear the message. Right. Uh-huh. At one, but let me say this. Every time I've seen a high-profile black woman in an interracial relationship, I have never seen an upswell of black men frustrated about it. I haven't. When 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 one of the Williams sisters got married, I, I didn't see black men holding protests in the street mm-hmm. that black women were marrying white men. Didn't see it. 
I've only heard serious problems on a wider level espoused when black men dated white women. Never really the opposite. Of course, there's the individual here and there, but I never saw a collective response of black men who were incensed by an interracial relationship. Uh, uh, Alfonso Ribeiro got canceled because he was married to a white woman. Yeah. And had yeah. kids by a white woman. And all he did was show a picture. Oh, she did. We show a picture. Yep. Yeah. Well, we can't hold on. Don't 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 uh mm-hmm. ignore the message of empowerment. You see that? We can't ignore that. Yes. The message of empowerment, and this is this is what it boils down to right here. Yes. Okay. So so Gigi is is asking the question: What happened to you know a, a kind of politics that deals with our material conditions? All right. This is that politics has been replaced with this right here. Mm-hmm. This whole notion that somehow or another you can you can marry your way out of anti-blackness or out of the legacy of slavery, racism, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the message. So, so in many respects, man, I mean this this is a, this this is a shortcut way that people like banks and you got a lot of liberals and even leftists. This is the shortcut method for them to dealing with um, anti-blackness in this country. So he, he, here's the thing: if you notice right now, as we're doing this 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 uh, uh, the stream, there are a plethora, there are a whole bunch of commercials, car commercials, Geico, uh, insurance commercials out mm-hmm. where you have these couplings of a of a uh, you know a black woman with a white man, a black woman mm-hmm. with a white white man. Mm-hmm. The left, the liberals, that is their preferred strategy of dealing with this situation with black people in America. And 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 and, and there are, there are parallels with the LGBT stuff, man. Because the LGBT they they see this stuff in, in the same way, is that marriage is some type of path to paradise. You know yes. what I mean? An escape and, from blackness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bill Hook said uh uh that uh that women inherit the uh, the status of their men. So she said, if if black if, if uh, black women, educated black women, can actually uh, marry powerful white men, them and their children and her children would actually inherit the status of that man. That's what they believe. So but, but here, empowerment. But, that's what they mean. Go ahead. But here's the dilemma about that. Like if you look at the history of race in the United States, there were a great many black uh, excuse me white men who partnered with black women. And they didn't acknowledge the offspring as being a part of the white community or a part of the, you know, their, their kin group. Uh, so, I mean, wh- why the expectation now that white people have just changed? Like we live in a post-racial society. And uh, but I'm, I assume that, you know, the elites at the Ivy League institutions would imagine that we actually have arrived at this point. Right. We've we've we're now just examining and evaluating people based upon their merits Mm -hmm. and uh you know uh black women uh particularly uh need to reevaluate the kind of choices that they make in mating because they're just bad partners or bad matches with black men Mm -hmm. And, and and unfortunately you know this is like trying to put a a a band-aid on a bullet wound you know uh you, you can't marry your way out of racism. You can't marry your way out of poverty. You can't marry, I guess you can individually, but I mean, like as a whole scale macroscopic strategy, uh, you know, 
Well, well, the thing is, you can't marry. If the white men won't marry you, you can't make them marry you. You know, they they keep saying that they have the power to actually entice and make white men marry them. And for 200 years, that hasn't been the case. Mm -hmm. It ain't going to happen, man. <laughs> I'm just being honest, man. Well, you know well, I mean? well, the, well the, the track record shows that it's uh, it's not going to happen. White men have always have had access to black women. If they wanted to marry them, they would have. I mean, hey, we the offspring. I mean, the, the bastard offspring uh, of couplings of white men and, and black women. Like, let's just face it. Like that's you know, like people want to talk about B one first and Adolf's. You know, like there's it, no strange you know secret. That, you know, like we're, we're a hybridized people. Like if you go do your genetic testing, go go do it and see what the results are. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, it's very cool. few. It's very few pure blood, you know, black yeah, folks, yeah. Africa, all the way black, African black ancestry in the United States. Very few. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Eidos, okay, that are Eidos. Okay, You got ones that came from uh, over the, on the boat but or on the plane. But uh that's about it yeah part of the issue with this is he's not even saying uh it's the problem is with black men not necessarily wanting to marry it it really has more to do with the type of black men that want to marry or don't want to marry either Mm -hmm. way they're being framed as inadequate less than not of enough value Mm -hmm. so these women have to settle for black men to marry with and so that he's he's making the argument that you know really white men are the better option and, and, and really, you know, black America just needs to open their eyes to this as if that's been the no, he, that's he, kept, he, that's kept he, white men from seeking out black women. He's saying that black women need to open their eyes because that's what he's trying to say. Well, In he other also words, wants you, to make it socially he, acceptable, though, to the yeah. point where there's so, somehow no critique, even though black men are not the ones loving. Exactly. What it, because we, we've been dealing with swirlers for the, you know, and divestors for a very long time. Right. And the thing is, is that. Uh, what we keep saying is nobody's holding you back. If white, if Zaddy really wants you, he'll come get you. Because nobody's, no, there's no chain on you to keep you in the black community. So how come you don't have a white Zaddy? How come he's not taking you? Yeah, and that's, that's the problem. They're, they're trying to what they what they're trying is twofold thing that that uh, that I've observed. Right, twofold thing. They're trying to convince the black women that they have enough gumption and enough uh, uh, worth to actually get white men in the first place. Right, that white men will actually take them. And then what they're trying to say is that you need to give up your loyalty to black men. That's what's holding you back. Your loyalty mm-hmm. to the race and your love for black men is what's holding you back. You need to give that up, which neither or basically neither are true. If white men were actually available for them to get, they would get them, mm-hmm. especially educated uh, black women. Yeah, and, and the loyalty stuff is, uh, I mean, that is, that, that's overblown, man. I, I think that it doesn't exist. You know, mm. in, in a way in which, you know, he's framed it and everything like that. That loyalty is right now in 2022. Mm. That loyalty is not there um, that, you know, you're talking about a kind of a black nationalistic loyalty. Right. I mean, these women, these educated professional women in the 21st century. Mm. And it's not just them, but but we, you know, since we're talking about he, he he's mainly talking about them. They don't have that kind of race loyalty. I mean, that's, mm. that, that, that is just nonsense. Like they're out there looking for, like most of these people, you know, like the guy who wrote this this article. I don't know if he would be comfortable in an all black establishment, you know. 
<laughs> I'm just being honest. Uh, you know, and there are some guys who are like this, you know, like Carlton from Bel Air, like, you know, being around a whole bunch of black people. Uh, if you're not used to that. And some of these people, you know, that they've been reared in predominantly white environments. They, you know, they buy into this idea of racial eliminativism. And uh, I mean, they talk about it uh, because it's profitable for them to write about. But in terms of having uh, an authentic connection to everyday black people, they, they don't have it. And so, you know, uh, it's. I'm not saying all black folks, you know, who, who are in professorial positions think like this and have this kind of perspective. But I mean, there are some that, that have that kind of perspective, like they can't relate to black people, the yeah, rank and yeah. file black person. Yeah. And so they, uh, they, they were talking about this in Jet Magazine back in the 1940s. This is this, this is not a new phenomenon. No. OK. It's not. This is well. This is well before uh, the uh, civil rights. OK. The phenomenon of, of black women marrying white men, and there was no blowback. There was no. It was it was socially acceptable back then, for for black women to actually marry white men. But but just let's face it. I mean, you know, if you go back to that chart, that diagram that you had mm -hmm. about the percentage of men and women who are mm -hmm. marrying in or out, mm -hmm. uh, eighty five percent of black men have black wives, ninety three percent of black women have black husbands. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you're talking about over 80% of the black population who have spouses, you know, that, that are intraracial. Yeah, but, okay. but, it, but, it, but, it's, but I think uh, in the 80s, I think it was like 90, 97%. So it's, it's decreased over the past, uh, I said the past uh, 40 years, it's decreased by like, um, like 15, you know, 15%. So it's going down like uh, every couple of years, it's going down a percentage. I think in twenty in twenty ten, I think it was eighty eighty seven percent. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if if this guy really wanted to tackle the issue of of race mm -hmm. and black women, he would he would make his arguments to white men. He would be right. telling them, he would be you know making a case for them to marry black women instead of you know making the case that black women need to choose black men, as if primarily uh, women are the people who. Or the deciders of whether or not they get married. Like, I mean, you know, we do live in Western culture. It's typically a man who decides, okay, I want to marry that woman. Let me propose to her. Let me ask her if she wants to be bonded to me in this way. Uh, not to say that there are women who do propose and uh, women who do uh, ensnare men uh, or, you know, basically uh, make a decision that they want to marry this, this man. But, I mean, typically the decision rests with the man, doesn't it? Yeah, who, who did, the two groups in America that actually marry out least in America? Black women and what? Who else? White men. White men marry because they have a bigger number. White men marry out at a rate of like one percent. It looks it looks bigger because there's more of them. Hmm. Well, right here. So let me push us forward a little bit. I'll see where I left off. Um, damn. I forgot where I left on. Uh, okay, here we go. So other critics include, oh, no, I didn't. Uh, that was uh, that was a message not all black men wanted to hear. At one point, um, oh, no, sorry. Here we go. So other critics, including some black women, contended that white racism precluded black women from finding non-black partners, and this convinced many black women that they cannot or should not partner with a non-black man, even if the alternative was remaining unpartnered or in a bad relationship. As a result, many black women feel that they should marry down before they marry out. So we still have this hierarchy mm -hmm. 
I explained in my book why black women should not be pressured to sacrifice their own chances for happiness out of some misplaced loyalty to black men. Mm, yes. Yeah, Nor should you. black women feel beholden to black men under the guise of advancing the race. If the price of racial solidarity is a bad intimate relationship and the cost is too high, black women should not be held hostage to the struggles of black men. Who the fuck is holding them hostage to anything? <laughs> it has to be each other because it's not it's not black men. It's not black men. But boy, man, you know what's being held hostage is the political struggles of black men for everybody else's game but black men. Uh-oh. That's what's being held hostage. Uh-oh. You know, you got a lot of people talking about the black struggle, so on and so forth. And you got a lot of people who black lives matter, patsies and, you know, uh, you know, black lives matter supporters and endorsers. But I mean, here's a group of women who basically utilize black male death as a means by which to enrich themselves mm-hmm. and to, you know, to, you know, push themselves in the trajectory mm-hmm. of neoliberal elitism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I mean, they got a, they bought a seven bedroom mansion yeah, with a twenty called, car garage. Like that's they, like you know what, call, what's the it, name of the? It's called they, they call that blood money, sir. But what what did they say? Uh, what's the what's the rapper's name, man? Who says I got I got a twenty car garage, but only got five cars? <laughs> sound like Ti. <laughs> no, no, this is some dude from Atlanta. You know, okay. uh, yeah, it sound like Ti. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I got a, and then. Man, I saw the I saw the video doc. I I don't want to get too far off, off uh, you know <laughs> off uh, topic, okay. but okay. I saw the video of one of the women he dated before, and no, 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 no. But I mean, you know, we okay. I ain't gonna say nothing else. Yeah, but no, I mean, no, no. <laughs> leave it, leave it alone. Leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty one Savage. Yeah, Twenty One Savage is the okay. dude. But okay. I mean, you know, the, the, but the whole point is this. Mm-hmm. People will go upwards and downwards. They will bend their backs in order to justify the unjustifiable. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like black women have shown that they're not loyal. I mean, in this idea that, you know, if if black women are successful, everyone else is going to be sex- successful by default because mm-hmm. they will have removed every Im- you know impediment. That injustice or oppression or domination has to to throw up. It's it's, it's ridiculous. But nobody is challenging these people. Well, they, well, they, man, can't, they, they, they can't blame white zaddy. So who else is there left? And see, this is why I've you know took it upon myself, man, to go out into the street, man, mm-hmm. and talk to these women. <laughs> I've been talking to these women, bro. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've been talking to them, and they educated, you know, they're young, uh-huh. they're middle class, and everything. Uh-huh. Ain't nothing holding them back. You know, ain't, yeah, ain't no, ain't no black, ain't no black male loyalty holding them back. I've, I've been trying to get Doctor Neil to tell me what happens after the interview with these young ladies. He won't tell me. He won't. Tell me. <laughs> he interviews them, and then you know, those are the hidden files. Okay. You know what I mean? Those, are, go, those, those, those are in the time capsule. Hey, you know, I, I try to call the brother, you know, the phone rings, he don't answer. He's busy. You know? He's busy. One of the things I want to point out, though, in this Candy Graham for Doc. Look at how they're framing interracial uh-huh. relationships. Now, notice, you don't see anybody living in a damn trailer. You don't see anybody that has a regular job. Everybody they're framing this around 
are married to elite white men as if this is what marrying white men has to look like. This is it. Mm-hmm. You talking about George Lucas, what percentage of white men are you talking about mm-hmm. that frame this? And, and, and I think part of what this does is it sells the idea that if black women would just give in to the idea of black men would shut up as if we're impeding this, then black women could marry the George Lucases and everything would be gravy. Okay. Man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if many of these white guys doing this have, uh, you know, that, that black chocolate fetish. And they're using this as a means by which to sidestep any indictment of, of racism. You know, like, you know, I'm not racist because I got a black wife. Or, you know, like, but I mean, you know, different people have fetishes. Some black men have white white women's fetish or whatever the case may be. But to argue that this in and of itself uh, is some sort of indicator that we've overcome racial tensions in the United States because you got a few high profile uh, profile white men who marry black women like this opens up the door for all women uh, who are black as a possibility It's first of all, that's ridiculous. Uh, but I, I just wonder, you know, like what, what is the mentality of these men? Like what, what, is, what is, but you know, we already know that white men can have sex with whoever they want to. They've always been able to do this. Okay. Uh, but they traditionally have been uh, barred from uh, marrying black women. You know, I mean, it was, there were anti-misogenation laws, which prevented that, you know, from, from happening. Just like you had restrictive covenant uh, covenants in uh, neighborhoods, uh, all white neighborhoods. I mean, there were like implicit and explicit laws against interracial marriages. So, uh, but you know, uh, I, I ain't mad at it. If that's if if that's what you want, you want a white man in your life, you know, go ahead and get one. That's I, don't know I, can, I don't know if you can share my screen, Doc. Uh, oh shit! Do I need to supervise this first? The BGS. It, what what is this? This is from Jet Magazine. I think it's nineteen forty something, nineteen forty six or something like that. Wow. Negro women with their white husbands. This is not a new phenomenon. And and, and understand something. This, there's a difference, too, when you talk about this. Uh, I, I, I mentioned this on the show before. I had a woman, a white woman who was a financial consultant. I had a meeting with her once. And mm-hmm. she you know, was married to a black man. And one thing she told me was that uh, there's a social punishment that goes on. And I've actually talked to, to, to brothers who've been married to uh, Latinas that said the same thing. There's a social punishment where if they're seen associating with black men, meaning they've had kids or they've married, they're they're considered ostracized from their own men after that. So this white woman I'm talking to was telling me if she wanted to date white men ever again, the fact that she had children, the fact that she had been married to a black man would make it extremely difficult for white men. And as I said, even in Latino communities, for those, those men to deal with those women again. You don't have that same kind of stigma. If you got a black woman that's been with a white man and afterwards she's, in, she's you know, trying to date black men. I've not heard black men running from white women who've been with, I mean, from black women who've been with white men. The social stigma doesn't quite work in the same kind of way. So there are some other elements to this discussion that are being left out, you know. And one of the biggest ones is this idea that white man is synonymous with extremely wealthy and elite. Mm-hmm. And, the, and but, when you talk about the kind of white men, you know, that are entertaining this, what do all white men have, though? They have what? White status, money, power, status. Right. 
you know, all white men, even the lowest one, even the trader trash white man has what? White male status. Hmm, slightly greater wealth rates, but go ahead. And, and, <laughs> you know, and that's what I was saying that, you know, in general, he's not he's not qualifying. He's not pointing to the fact that these are, you know, white men who are at the top of the, you know, totem pole and what have you. Um, uh, it, the assumption is that all white men are just one thing, you know what I mean? And they have all these attributes, positive attributes. I mean, think about the assumptions that he's making here, man. I mean, this he, he is saying he is saying a whole lot about whiteness, bro. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just just you know, you know, the ice is colder. You know what I mean? Ice and um, yeah, that that sort of thing. And and the other thing, man, in the real world, in the real world, not go. I know you guys have seen this. When I see when I see black women with with uh, white men, those white men are not the masters of the universe. You no. know, those no. guys are basic. You know what I mean? I had I had this conversation with a you know some years ago with a young black woman I was seeing uh, who was thirty years old, and we were talking about this, and she she had you know some dealings with white dudes, and I said I said you know what when I when I go out and when I interact with you know these couples and stuff like that at the bar or restaurant, these guys are basic, man. You know what I'm saying? And they see me coming and they get, those guys are very insecure. You know what I'm saying? Because when they, if you're in a bar somewhere and, and, you know, and, and, she, and he's with, you know, his, you know, black girlfriend or date or what have you. And, and, and they see you and, and you see them, you know, those guys, you know, they react, you know, and it's not a positive reaction. And uh, and the assumption is that we that we care or that I care, and I'm like, you know, dude, I don't care. You know, well, you know, I hear you, and I will say this: one of the things I find interesting, they started this article talking about Kamala Harris and Kentanji Brown, and they did not really juxtapose them two with Obama, because here's the thing: the only reason, well, I'll say a major reason Obama was elected, as far as black black women's votes were concerned, was because he was married to a black woman. These two women who have gotten into position and were celebrated by black women, all of a sudden, the fact that they were married to white men was either celebrated or ignored. But with Obama, he got there, at least with black women, because of his marriage to a black woman. And I I noticed how they kind of left all of that out, as if Obama would have been elected with a blonde-haired, blue-eyed wife, at least as far as black America is concerned. The the other, I think it was Harold Ford, the uh, the other... Obama-like candidate actually got uh, dissed because he was dating white women. He got the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He couldn't make it out. He was because he's from Tennessee, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, you won. You know, his daddy was a you know a politician and everything. And um, uh, Fox, the right, the, the right, right. P- politicized the fact that he had a white girlfriend, and mm-hmm. uh, and that destroyed him politically. It yeah. did. Yeah, but. but but, you know, another thing that's strange about this, man, as I read these sentences, it, it's almost as if, and I'm, I know I'm being redundant here, but this guy is reducing compatibility to education. Yeah. And I just, I don't see compatibility being reducible to education. I just, or even social status. Like, I mean, just because somebody's on your level cognitively or socially doesn't mean you're a good match. It just doesn't. <laughs> You know, and to add to that, to add to that, and I'm let's just go ahead and put it out there, man. The assumption is that black women are marriageable. Oh, 
Ooh, don't oh, we going? Are we going there, huh, Doc? All right. If 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 we bracket the education, because he, he's he's just the assumption is that education, as Gigi say, education makes you this marriageable person, and and, and Gigi is right. Education doesn't make you marriageable. Okay, and, and there are other attributes and qualities and personality issues that you have to you have to deal with. Um, that you know put you in a position to you know partner with somebody and, and pair with them. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and like I say, I, I I go back to the old school marriages that I saw coming up. You know what I mean? Working class black men with college educated black women, and they had they were married 30, 40, 50 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, you know, again, we we leap into you know the twenty, you know the late twentieth century, and now the early twenty first century, and what have you, and, and things have shifted. Why are we assuming? Why does he assume? Because he, he's he's clearly saying that black men are not marriageable as a group, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But the assumption it, is that it, black it, women are marriageable, and that's something right, we have to question right. and, and criticize. Right. And even though even though black men have over a half a million more marriages than black women, exactly. even though there's two million less black men. Yes. Yes. And he is, he assumes he assumes that these women are divorcing. He, he mentions the, the divorce rate and everything like that. He's assuming that they're you know the, the divorcing primarily due to the deficiencies on the part of black men. Right. And it has absolutely they have no part. They have no agency in it. It has nothing to do with any uh, deficiencies that they may have that might contribute yeah. to them not being able to go long distance with a man. Okay, it's black well, breaking up fault. with men for frivolous reasons. Yes, it's black men's fault. Absolutely, that's that's exactly the subtext here. But here's the other thing, like you know, you're talking about. There's at least three brothers on here that have taught at the university, and I can tell you, I have seen young black men in college come talk to me and tell me stories about the women that they're interested in dealing with on campus who will only date brothers who are out in the hood, who are coming from the areas they grew up in. So this idea, going back to Gigi's point, that being, you know, educated or getting an education somehow determines, you know, both class preferences and social relationships, that is not the case. I mean, this is, it it, it doesn't work that kind of straight across in that manner. Um, But it's an assumption. Yeah, yeah, I I tell you, I mean, I remember when I told you, you know, I spent seven years at HBCU and I saw Mm -hmm. it there. Okay, and I saw the guys. I, I I tell you, I had one student in particular, man. This guy, this guy was um, he was an engineering person, and uh, you know, kind of introverted. And I kind of took a liking to him, stuff like that, and and uh, brought him to some of the the activities I was doing on campus. And uh, and he was having a hard time, and he was the only one. Yeah, he was having a hard time, um, because the young women, his peer group, they want they weren't feeling him. You know what I'm saying, and they had they had boyfriends who who were you know out off the campus. You know what I mean. They were do- dating, dating older guys or whatever. They definitely the the, the 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 fellows that were you know picking up the college women. Um, they they definitely were not you know college educated professional men. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they were doing everything you know removed from that world. Right. You know. Right. And yeah, and the, and the regular guys who weren't athletes, because we had a basketball team, the basketball players, you know, it's typical with the basketball, you know, they, they have to, the pick of the litter, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. the other guys, 
um, I saw it over and over again. And um, and I had to reassure some of these guys. I said, listen, in time, in time, things are going to change. Just continue to work, work, work. Do what you have to do. Don't worry about, you know, you know, this, this social situation right now. As you get older and you build yourself up, believe me, things are going to shift in your favor. Um, but they were they were invisible. Those guys were invisible yeah, to were, the young women. Yeah, they were invisible. And if I connect this to something BGS talks about all the time, what he's trying to do with this article in terms of convincing black women to just shift their options has already occurred with young black males in Generation Z. And I'm witnessing it. I am witnessing it both in terms of, you know, uh, the data, but also even in terms of personal stories about my kid, my friend's kids. My, I got boys that have reached out. There's one brother who reached out to me. I haven't talked to in a, in a number of years. And he was telling me about him and several other friends, kids, Generation Z, you know, and the, and the kind of couplings that are going on there. The race loyalty factor that many of us as Generation X grew up with in the 70s and 80s is in a very different position. And a lot of it has to do with what people will not talk about. And we've mentioned it a little bit here, but in terms of black women's worldviews, black women's perceptions of black men and the treatment of black men that do not conform to stereotypical notions of black masculinity, a lot of those brothers find themselves on the outs and on the receivership side of disrespect. And they're at a point where they are checking out at younger and younger ages because the girls are coming in having been socialized by generations of mothers, aunties and grandmothers to perceive black men in certain ways that do not allow for these young brothers humanity. And they identify it quick. They are identifying it very quick. And I'm telling you, it's already an issue whether you're looking at it or not. It's already an issue. But, you know, if you let this article frame it, it's just because black males are the problem. And, you know, they just want black and let me say this, man, because I, I, I know, uh, you know, again, um, students, I had, had, had former students, okay, um, millennials, um, who are now in their, you know, you know, uh, you know, 30s, uh, 35, 36, or what have you, um, attractive women and what have you, uh, never married, okay, um, in professions, and, and I've talked to them and it, it wasn't the issue of there not being any black men around, okay? I mean, I, I know I know folks in biology and chemistry. They were they were they were connected to young black men uh, in their associations, in their in, in close proximity to them, and they rejected them. They might have dated them for a short period of time or what have you, but they never took them seriously. Um, you know, as potential life, um, as as, as potential husbands, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. so this whole narrative about they can't, uh, they're in this situation, this uh, this 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 terrible, tragic place where they 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 come in no contact whatsoever with professional black men. It's just it's just utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. Well, let let me push us a little uh, ahead. I think this is the end of the article here. So it says, uh, there's been little discussion in the media or culture about white partners or prominent black women like Harris or Brown Jackson. And I hope this reflects the increased social acceptance of such unions. If so, then black women will be able to enjoy the relationship freedom they deserve. Ralph Richard Banks is the Jackson Eli Reynolds Professor of Law at Stanford Law Law School and co-founder and faculty director of the Stanford Center for Racial 
justice. If that ain't some shit, you're you're going to be the director, a faculty director of the Stanford Center for Racial Justice. And your definition of relationship freedom is black women marrying white men. And, and you, you know what's fucked up about this? I just got to be honest about this. Right. So, you know, second wave feminism was about white women getting out of the shadow of their husbands and entering in the workforce so that they can have autonomy. Mm-hmm. Right. Because to them, you know, white men represented, you know, and the control that they had over women represented what the patriarchy was all about. Right. Mm. Mm. I mean, I, I'm just asking the question. I, I might be wrong about this, okay. but I, I think I'm right about it. Right. What is there in terms of a relationship with a white man is going to be so much qualitatively different other than if you marry a white man who's, you know, at the same level of education as yourself and who accepts you. Like there aren't any other challenges that come along with interracial marriages in a racially stratified society. Right. Like that, that can't be a catalyst for the dissolution of, 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 of a marital you know, relationship. Like you can't add pressures and strains, you know, no less than economic strains. If you want, if you want to, you know, reduce black women's marrying down related to, you know, some, you know, pressure that could, you know, break the, uh, uh, you know, the bonds of, of marital uh, happiness or marital cooperation. I mean, I just, you know, this whole thing to me, what it spells is you marry a white man and you're going to be free. Right. Like, if you marry a white man, you've reached the promised land. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, all your, all your nigga problems are just going to dissolve into nothingness mm-hmm. if you marry a white man. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the proof of it is Kamala Harris, Ketanji Brown. Right. You know, right. like, these women, you know, didn't already... First of all, one could argue if Kamala Harris wasn't humping on uh, Willie's Johnson, she wouldn't be where she is right now. Uh-oh. Politically, oh, oh, am I missing something? Wasn't she jumping on Willie Johnson? Uh, uh, yes, for quite a few years. Yes, I mean, you know, like mm. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just asking the question. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know about Katanji. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I really don't know. It's not my business. I mean, you know, you marry who you want to marry. You, you can have sex with who you want to. Right now, I mean, for crying out loud, it's perfectly acceptable for people to. Marry themselves. <laughs> I mean, which to me is ridiculous, but I mean, you know, people are doing it. Uh, but I don't care who you marry, man. Marry who you want to. But don't try to sell to black women or it, even black men. Don't try to sell the idea that you're going to overcome racial injustice by doing so. That you, you know, like Martin Luther King said, free at last, free at last. All I got to do is marry a, marry a white man. I'm free at last. Like, I've moved beyond all of this, you know, the, the, the racial turmoil that exists within the context of the United States. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, France Fanon wrote a book about this shit. <laughs> Black Skin, White Mask. And I read a chapter about this. Right? I and I, all you got to do is go look at it. And, and basically, you know, it was about white, it was about black women who, if they couldn't change the world from, you know, white to black, they were going to change the world from black to white. Okay, mm-hmm. 
And one of the ways that you can achieve this goal is by, you know, pursuing someone from another race and, you know, to be enamored with the whole idea of, you know, transcending your own social position, which you really don't have control over. I mean, you know, it's an artificial position from the beginning. It's not something that we manufacture. Right. It's not something that we put into place. It's something that white folks put into place. Right. And so now you're asking for black women to run into the arms of the very same people who put the racial stratification together in the first place, as mm -hmm. if that's going to help you overcome mm -hmm. racial stratification in this country. Mm -hmm. And this is absolutely ridiculous. I, I can't believe the level of superficiality that this man has. It's some it's fucking bullshit. So you're talking to white people themselves put this shit into place. Okay. I had some woman who's black, but they claim that they're not black, but visibly they are. Okay. They mm -hmm. told me that, you know, um, white men are more intellectual and, uh, you know, they have higher intelligence quotients and so on and so forth than black men. Right. Now I've heard, I've heard black women who are divestors say these kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they're, they're superior. They're better than you. They, they're more evolved than you. They're uh, more civilized than you. And then my, my question is, and I throw it, I'm throwing it back at you if you're a divestor like a boomerang. You are black baby manufacturers. You manufacture black boys in your wombs. Mm -hmm. So you're, you actually dare have the belief that black men there's something genetically or culturally backwards about them mm -hmm. but you give birth to them they do yeah and the in, in the everybody that knows like most of these women have psychology degrees it's the number one pick when they go to college okay they should already know that the formative years of a child's life are the most impressionable years of a child's life right like from the ages of of you know like toddler like one to to eight you've developed and solidified that child's character up to that point like i mean i mean not to say that your character can't you know uh be changed to some degree and that it's perfectly rigid it's not right. i mean it's malleable but i mean the content the core of your behavioral traits are there and the developers of those traits primarily are black women especially contemporarily Mm -hmm. So if you talk, how can you say with a straight face that the fruit of your own womb is tainted? Uh oh. Who's willing to? Why? Why would somebody be that stupid to think that? Listen, I just I, like for the life of me, I can't I, I can't fathom the stupidity of it all. And some of these people are educated. Listen, bro. You remember when Meghan Markle got married, Meghan and Harry? Did you, did you all notice the reaction? I don't know about you, but I watched the reaction on social media. Um, black women just losing their minds. And yes. I, I know women, yes. women, women close to me. Um, yes. A woman, you know, that I was involved with at one time, you know, talking about wanting her, wanting her prince. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. And these were wrong, yeah, feminists and everything. You know yes. what I'm saying? And I know a woman, right? I mean, there's a woman, what's her name? Candace Bimbo, 
uh, she's a, one of these womanist feminist types, and she was just talking about, you know, and she's a Christian, and they said, look at what the Lord has done, that Jesus, you know, you know, blessed this, this woman who, who was raised by a single mother and all this kind of stuff, and now she's into royalty and stuff like that. And, you know, I point that out to, you know, to say, um, you know, whiteness, man, is a hell of a drug, bro. Well, let it me, is a hell of a drug. Let me show you. And you're absolutely right. I, I saw sisters uh, crying over that marriage. And I'm like, are you freaking care over the wedding? Right. Yeah. That, that somehow being validated by some kind of white, uh, you know, European prince, you know, the Cinderella syndrome. Now her femininity is affirmed. And um, but, you know, if you look at the history of the British Empire, you don't, you don't want to talk about that. But this is this is the kind of this is the kind of group that I think Banks's piece appeals to. Many of you may have seen this in social media. I'm only going to play about it. It's only like a minute long. This comes from somebody on YouTube, I believe, whose name is uh, Divested Zealot. But this is a conversation about black men and about white men in some respects. And this is a com this is a group of black women having this conversation. Check it out. I was wondering why no one thought to say and voice their opinion that when we look at when I look at these white men, they are the epitome of masculine and watching some of these police officers manhandle these black men in the street is very attractive and it's a turn on, you know, and I'm wondering, does anybody else feel like that? Hold on, hold on. Yes, Lord. Uh, um, Y'all off the chain, okay? <laughs> Y'all are off the proverbial chain. That's discord that's I'm telling you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, why has nobody said that? You know, because I'm like, that's masculine. You talk about masculine. We say that all the time in Discord, Tanasia. You say that for the back. <laughs> yeah, you have to save that one for the back room when we got the door closed. <laughs> I can't wait to the hard R for long. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm talking about we say the hard are so hard, it sounds like we growling back there Urgh, around this bitch. Oh, Tanisha, you got to come back there with us. And if you haven't seen it, this is the uh, oh, yeah, yeah, image she uses on her YouTube page. So if you can't and, make it out, or if you're on the radio listening, you got a woman, uh, in a silhouette, uh, uh hanging off a swinging off a tree, she's swinging on a swing on a tree. On the mm -hmm. other side of a tree, you have a black man being hung. Mm -hmm. So you have a silhouette of a hanging black man on one side of the tree, what's assumed to be a, a black woman swinging on the same tree in a swing. And that's who, you know, you just heard from. Yeah, he would, he, he, no one thought. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you would never see, you never see a, uh, that, uh, you wouldn't even see that uh, a, a posted by a racist white man, uh, a picture like that. And, and one of the things that I told that woman, you know, who basically said, you know, uh, what she said, I said, you sound like a eugenicist or social Darwinist. It's the same sort of language that they use. But this just goes to demonstrate to you the disconnect of the experiences of the world. With the, with, with the experiences of the world that black men and black women have, like mm -hmm. we contend with racism differently. Especially now. I mean, there's no more overt, uh, you know, uh, de jure racism. But I mean, there's plenty of de facto racism, uh, mm -hmm. to, you know. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, think about this, man. You got a group of women who are basically lauding and applauding the death 
and destruction of their own brothers, sons, fathers, nephews, who are like applauding this shit. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's that's when you know. Yeah. You are you you are a totally brainwashed person, and you are basically uh, you've been subjected to Stockholm syndrome. Mm-hmm. You're, it's it's donezo for you. There, I mean that's that's what I would call a, a pathological individual, somebody who likes who derives pleasure from seeing somebody else go you know go through pain anyway. That's a sociopath. Mm-hmm. But to be, have a sociopathic conception of racial injustice and to then tie it to sexual desire that's that's yeah. that's the epitome of fuckery right there that's 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 self-loathing to the extreme you said right. she was sexually <laughs> yes. uh turned on and titillated mm-hmm. by acts of violence uh from mm-hmm. a white man towards a black man that turned her on right if that ain't sick bro if that ain't some sick uh, sadomasochistic uh, psychosis, I don't know what it is, man. Yeah. And some of these women have sons, if nothing and, else. And the funny thing about it is, is that the lynching of black men is a homoerotic act to begin with. Very true. And that's what people don't get. So, so now you got black women participating in the homoerotic lynching of black men. Yes. That, that because I mean, if you look at Curry's work, it, you know he draws that connection. Absolutely, and I think he does so, you know, in a pretty convincing way. That's what one of the things the man not is about. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, look, all I can say is, like, like uh, your boy uh, Ronald just said, man, look, whiteness is a hell of a drug, man. It's a hell of a drug, and some people have that aspiration of whiteness. But here's the funny thing about it. They act as if all white people are balling and doing it big, bro. Right. Like, I work with white people, man. As a laborer, like, you know, I used to be an iron worker, okay? I mean, I built bridges, did back-breaking work, okay? Most of these people weren't college graduates, but they made a lot of money because as an iron worker, you make a shit ton of money, man, okay? You make, you know, 28 Thirty dollars an hour. I'm talking. I, I did that shit. When was that? The last time I did that kind of work. Oh five. Mm-hmm. So it's probably around forty dollars an hour, you know. And then you get benefits, four hundred one k pensions and shit like that. You got your insurance. I mean, the package is big. Okay. At the at the time that I was working as an iron worker, I think it was like sixty dollars an hour if you included the benefits. Okay. But all of these guys aren't like fucking. George Lucas. All of these guys are not like, you know, Harvard graduates. Like, I mean, the idea, like, and look, I've taught at primarily white institutions, man. That's it. Okay. And so these people, like, uh, just because they're white, even if they're from good families, doesn't mean that they're intelligent. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, uh, Intelligence just doesn't reside in whiteness. Yeah. It just doesn't. Genius just does not reside in whiteness. But to me, this is like the most flattering article about white people and progressiveness. 
it's, it's as if to say, you know, if, if black women want to finally overcome the horrible, can, you know, relationship uh, market that they find themselves in, all they have to do is just go turn over to the white side. And what they'll find there is social progressiveness, intelligence, unfettered love, unconditional love and freedom. Exactly. Freedom from playing the black, paying the black tax. As if like when they get in their car and they drive to work, they ain't just another nigga driving to work. I just don't like this. This is I understand that, you know, being connected to somebody white who's in a, a particular kind of network, they, they can help accentuate your careerism. OK. But fuck. Or white women divorcing well-to-do white ass dudes. Yeah, billionaires. <laughs> like, ain't they saying "fuck you"? Pay me. Yeah, billionaires are doing. It. Yeah, all the time. But you're hitting on what I think a lot of this comes down to, whether banks means it or not. The idea of marriage for for many women, in terms of how they've been socialized, is that if he does not meet your fantasy. You can exact a financial price, a financial penalty that is an award to you for not having your dreams met. You can you can pull that lever anytime you want. The problem is that black men don't have enough wealth. But if you can marry white men, right, if he doesn't make you happy and you have to take him to divorce court, chances are you'll do better. There's a there's an there's a reward that comes with this. And I think in some respects, marriage is defined along those lines at this point for women. It's not just about, you know, finding your prince charming and being happy. It's also about exacting a material cost when when he can't meet expectations or when he's met the, 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 the expectations you've had. If all you wanted was to have the wedding and some women will do that, they'll get married just because they want the wedding. Some will want the wedding and a child. And once those needs have been met, the lever is pulled. You're on anything from alimony to child support. But the problem is, if you just got a better source of resources, then the, then the divorce can be that much more rewarding. And I think that's what some people are going to take with, away from these kinds of approaches. That it, I mean, even the divorce is better. You, know, you talk about ice being colder. Even that's better. Uh, we got 790 watching. Like, share, subscribe, join, donate, support the channel if you would. Uh, we're talking about. This latest New York Post article urging black women to reconsider interracial relationships with white men uh, because that's apparently what's been holding them back on uh, black men with limited uh, resources, limited value. And of course, uh, black men being the drag on their lives. Shout out to Jerome Marshall for a generous contribution. I appreciate that. Hey, you, you know, again, my problem with all of this is that black folks used to have some sort of collective understanding that black progress was going to require material dialectics. Right. You know, discussions of social economic justice and reparations. Uh, you know, uh, parity. You know, uh, some sort of idea of fairness in relation to uh, the social safety net for all persons. Now it's become like a shit show. Like th if this is the best that black intellectuals can offer about how to, you know, live a comfortable life. 
Like we can just, you know, we can get rid of poverty all, you know, or, or get rid of. And it, the other assumption is, is that just because you have a college degree. That somehow, you know, you're, you're, auto, you're automatically a part of the middle class. Mm. It's a lot of broke ass motherfuckers with college degrees out here. Yeah. And that's the other part of it, Gigi. Um, he, he's, you're not talking about all these women with all this financial, all this debt, student loan debt. Oh. Okay. All right. You're talking about, you know, you know, you know, I just read a read a piece, you know, Stacey Abrams just uh, finally paid off her uh, debts. She was like a, over one hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. She was 80 over by ninety some thousand dollars credit card debt. Stacey Abrams, she's my age. OK. And uh, and, you know, back when she ran for the governor of Georgia, she was in deep debt. That was in twenty eighteen. So between twenty eighteen and. The, the, the president, you know, she's made some money off the books that she has sold and doing speaking engagements and stuff like that. And so now, apparently, she's debt free and she's made more money. She's a millionaire. But the fact remains is that is that these women are loaded down with debt, consumer debt, credit card debt, which impacts their mobility. Um, you know, they have health issues. Which is which just has a financial cost to it, you know what I mean? So, you know, and and they're not getting the the, the type of employment um, that they you know that they they desire and what have you. I mean, you know, things are in, in flux right now, and so, I mean, those are factors that he just completely ignores um, in, ter- in terms of today, and he he ignored that stuff, you know, ten years ago when he first published the book because it was it, it was a reality then. Mm. Mm. Hey man, I, look. People mistake this like. First of all, you know, I, look. A lot of people, you know, think we're angry and mad that black women have the capacity to marry white guys. I, I mean, look. Let's just be honest about this shit. Black women have always been fucking white men. Yep. Since they, since they, you know, got off the slave ships, behind bushes, in the masters' quarters. They had their way with black flesh. So, uh, you know, like the idea of men, you know, black men somehow having some sort of contempt or jealousy from, you know, for black women being able to fuck and have relationships with white men. Like, when was that even an issue for us? That's something we had to accept. I mean, if you want to talk about acceptance, that shit had to be accepted from the beginning. Oh, daughters of the trade, uh, where uh, white traders married into black families through black women since the uh, since the 1400s. It's not new. No. So, so you know, so the idea that you know, like black men are feeling like, okay, well, they won't have some sort of you know uh, bedrock to fall back on if they don't have black women to marry, which you know they're not suited to marry because they don't have the same, you know intelligence the same level of educational attainment again you're talking to at least three people on this panel who have doctoral degrees okay and look i've seen motherfuckers with college degrees man who are married together and they still ain't compatible you know i've seen all kind of crazy shit you know like what we're dealing with to me is the politics of recognition, which I don't really think solves the racial problem at all. 
So if you know black women want to be recognized as you know relationship equals to white men, you think that shit's gonna ever you know occur? Go ahead and romanticize, man. I mean, I'm not saying it's not gonna happen here and there. I mean, you know, human beings are human beings. They're gonna have sex. They're gonna fall in love. They're gonna engage in relate. You know, some people are gonna pair bond and form you know long lasting relationships. Some are gonna form you know temporary relationships or whatever the case may be. You know, my whole thing is first of all. White dudes ain't really checking for black women like that for real, man. If they were, they would, like you said, they would have done it already. Because it's there have been slave-based societies where white men have actually married black women and interpolated black folks into the population. That shit happened in, you know, the Portugal slave states. It happened in, like, Brazil, some of the Spanish slave states. Mm. It happened, you know, in uh, St. Domingue. Mm-hmm. to a higher level than it ever happened in the United States. Right. But I mean, you know, uh more blacks, more slaves went to Mexico than, than came to the US. Mm-hmm. So they've been absorbed like black folks have been, I'm not saying all the way, but largely they've been absorbed into, you know, the Mexican populace. Yeah, they have. Yeah. But in the United States, you don't see this. And so the question is, who who is the onus on? The onus really is not on black women to decide, okay, well, I'm going to opt to, like they got all these goddamn choices. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's just, it's quixotic. And to even present this to black women really actually is playing on their cupidity. Mm. I, you know, I, but I mean, you know, these people are not like, I, I don't know, man. I, a law professor talking about marriage relationships. This is like this is the sophistication that we have, right? As intellectuals, yeah. this is like what how we're tackling the problem of race. Yeah, this is like this is where we really are. And 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 the funny thing about it is, as I said before, if black women think they can disconnect themselves to black folks or blackness by fucking a white dude, that shit would have already occurred. Yeah, yeah I agree. You can't fuck your way out of this problem. It's not the solution. It's not a solution. Not in a place as racially charged as the United States. And, and that's why you know. That's why I link this. This is you know we're talking about you know heterosexuality, but this is the LGBTQ perspective as well, man. You know what I mean? Okay. And, and and those who those who are part of that movement, the black people who are part of that movement, because you know you have. You got black women who are lesbians who have white partners or white wives. You got you got gay black you got black men, gay black men with white men. You understand? And uh, what's his name? Billy Porter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You see a Billy Porter and the way he presents himself in the public. You know, you know. You remember that picture that was circulating when he had on that tuxedo gown and all that kind of stuff? It was though he was living. He wasn't living in a in a different universe. He he had arrived. This is this is heaven now. And and you know all of I've completely exited you know blackness or what have you. Um, so this whole interracial thing is real deep, man. It has it has many layers, man. And in this in the in that liberal left world, man, it's really being pushed heavily, man. And and, and it's seen as a sign of p- progress. You know, if you have a a white person right next to you, or even a black man, you know what I'm saying, who are accepted in those areas, you got a white woman, 
you know, um, you know, it's like it's a sign of progress or enlightenment or whatever, you know. And this is what he's pushing. And, and I think, and I think it's interesting to note that that you know that all the people he's talking about happen to be, you know, either you know, uh, jurists, uh, former jurists, um, people connected to law. You know, Kamala Harris, you know, mm-hmm. who was, you know, district attorney, San Francisco. Uh, Katanji Brown, she's been a federal judge, you know, and, um, you know, Banks is a lawyer. And to be honest, man, you have a generation of black law professors, man, who are very conservative, bro. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I was, I've said this about, you know, Paul Butler, he teaches at, at, uh, at Georgetown, man, and, uh, former prosecutor and stuff like that. And I read his stuff on black men and criminal justice, man, and he's, He's real conservative, bro. You know, and so you have a, and these are, these are people who are like in their late fifties right now. You know, they come from, um, they're from the same generation as Kimberly Crenshaw, man. And so they all have a similar strain of thought when it comes down to black women and black men. And at the end of the day, you know, it's like, you know, the hell with black men, we need to move beyond them. And a lot of their thinking really is is post racial thinking. This is post racial conservative. Oh. So Dr. Neil? Did we lose Doc? Hello? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there you we lost go. you for a second. Oh, did you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, so what I was saying is that man, this is post racial conservatism, man. You know, and um all those lawyers, man. Lawyers, are, I mean, law professors are conservative, bro. You know, they, I mean, just across the board, even the ones who pretend to be progressive. Um, and, and Banks, I, I, you know, he can't hide it, man. But this is, look, I think what Banks is doing in this piece, the other subtlety, the other subtle subtext to this is he's appealing to white-collar, middle-class black women's aspirations to be Miss Anne. You know, uh, that that central idea around what Miss Anne is about to be elite, to be pedestalized, to be treated as a princess of some sort, uh, you know, by a wealthy white man. Um, This idea that somehow life is better, life is ideal if you can reach this standard, which is why he doesn't actually go into the class information about what types of men do marry black women? What is their wealth status? What is, you know, he doesn't go into any of that. He leaves it at fantastical ideas that are really framed and, and, and cemented by these images of elite white men uh, showing some type of affection for black women. And, you know, of course, these black female smiling faces to suggest that they've arrived. So there, he's, so he's playing off this idea that somehow, if you can emulate Miss Anne by having a high-profile white man adore you in public, uh, finance your life, and demonstrate your value, that somehow you will have arrived and you're better off. And, and that kind of racial interplay, we, we sidestep. We don't want to admit that that's part of the discourse, but that's what he's doing with this as well. He's playing into it, and we know that when you, especially in the academy, there are advantages, there are incentives, there are rewards for downplaying and underdeveloping black men, even in theory. Your career will advance if you can highlight that action, especially just like on YouTube, if you can cater to black women, right? If you can if you can underdevelop and dismiss black men on one level or another while catering to black women, your career will see advancement. 
but it also happens outside of the academy. You'll get more traction in public media doing this. If this article, if Banks decided to write an article about how black folk need to stay together or, you know, about how black men need uh, government grants or resources to build on their entrepreneurship. If he, if that was what this article was about, how many people would have read it in comparison? Not how wide would this have been shared? Would it be published? Would it, yeah. hell, would it be published? I mean, so, I mean, the reality is, man, even with the, the book that he wrote, you know, years ago, I mean, it was a, the book along with this article, man, this is classic anti-black misandry, man. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And this mm-hmm. is, this is, this is the kind of commodified anti-black misandry that we've seen over the past 40 years, man, that advances mm-hmm. careers. You know, in the book, he really wanted, and he talks about this, you know, he was going to focus on black men, you know, and, and, and focus on, you know, why black men are marrying who they're marrying. You asked the question why he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. The reason why he didn't do that is because he was he didn't he didn't want to do the research. It <laughs> was he found that it was it was easier talking to black women yes. about marriage stuff than it, it was talking to black men. Yes. You know, so initially he wanted to talk men and get information and he ran into some challenges, you know what I mean, and and he realized that, you know, um, you know, I, the, 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 the quickest way for me to do this is talk to women and gather that data. But he did not want to roll up his sleeves and do the hard work of engaging black men, right. and he just he just decided to take the total, you know, misandrous route and push that narrative, all the stereotypes, and just recycle them over and over again. Just like all the other scholars, the feminists from his generation uh, have done. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't hurt that it's more lucrative. It's as as BGS alluded to. It's easier to get published. You're going to get a lot more attention for doing it. I mean, it is. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, and, and then all it is is it's an endorsement of white male patriarchy, which they say they're against, which they say they're resisting against with all the energy and effort that they can muster. But then at the end of the day. You fucking submit to white male patriarchy, right? Like this is the this is the oddest oxymoronic, contradictory bullshit that you could come across, right? And it's not that you know. You can fuck who you want to. You can marry who you want to. You can do whatever you want to. I get it. I personally don't give a fuck. But why you doing it? Don't say you doing it because niggas ain't shit. Just say you want to suck a white man's dick. Just say you you in love with whiteness. I mean, I hate to say that, but I mean, uh, you know, like it is what it is. There's a sexual component to this. Yes. Yeah. yeah just yeah. say, just say, you know, whiteness turns you on. You can't yeah. get enough of it. Yeah. They have that you have this, um, like, it's a white, the white imaginary is fucking spellbinding because you think that once you enter into a white world, it's a perfect world where no problems exist. Mm-hmm. Like there's no dysfunction there. Okay, like, you know, all the problems of the black world would be eliminated if black people could just intermingle with white folks, like all social pathology, all disease, all psychics, you know, uh, issues and all of that. All of those would be gone. All you got to do is just fuck with somebody white. It's just all gone. Yeah. Like, you know, like your food will taste better. Your ice will be colder. Your heat will be hotter. The green will look greener. You know, like it like. This is some, the and then all you gotta do, 
And then all you got to worry about is, or all you got to tolerate is if he calls you a nigga when he's coming. A little slave play don't hurt nobody. But to go to what Gigi has been saying, you know, all night, man, this, I mean, you know, I hate to say it, man, but this is the kind of stuff that's, that really, you know, it replaced a real robust kind of politics, you know, okay. and, and that the, 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 the professional class, the elite class, and, you know, Cornel West has been talking about this over and over again, man, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they just basically have, they've moved on, they've sold out, they don't care about the black majority, you know? And, um, and, and, you know, we don't have, you know, any other substantive way of looking at the world, uh, our condition in this country and offset it and, and, and alter it, man. We have accepted this type of ideology. Um, that is that the, the black professional class has accepted this and mainly black women. They eat this stuff up, bro. They eat this stuff up. And, and look, okay, so there's a variety of intellectuals who lament about, you know, this kind of neoliberal aspirationalism. You know, Habermas is one of the people from the Frankfurt School who talked about it. I mean, he called it the colonization of the life world. Okay. Uh, Nancy Frazier has talked about it. I, I think Dr. Neil and, I, uh, Neil and I have also discussed it, uh, where she talks about how materialist concerns have been made uh, subservient to politics of recognition, okay? If you, if you want to know more about the politics of recognition, you can study Charles Taylor and his book on uh, multiculturalism because that's where he talks about it the most, okay? So it's not really about changing the basic structure of society anymore. It's about, you know, trying to find the right amount of tokens to fit into the right spaces so that there's, you know, representation there. Doesn't matter if the rest of the niggas is hemorrhaging or women are hemorrhaging or, you know, men all over the world are hemorrhaging. It, what matters is that you got the right representation there. OK. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, you know, Alice Dare McIntyre is another individual who talks about this. Um, I, even to some degree, uh, the, the Nazi sympathizer Martin Heidegger talked about it. OK. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't want to get too cerebral. But, you know, my whole thing is this value system that we have, this idea that marriage is supposed to uplift you financially and economically. And, uh, you know, this is a part of post-industrial neoliberal culture, man. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, I find it off-putting uh, right. because I think that, you know, like the people who are supposed to be doing the heavy lifting intellectually, they should mm -hmm. be able to move beyond this. They should be able to think, you know, outside of the box. But instead, they've been consumed by corporatism. And okay. I, look, I don't have a problem with people getting their paper. Get your money. Get your bag. OK, get get your paper. All right. But God damn, man, where where is your dedication to justice? Mm. Like in a broad view, not just based on your identity group or your identity politics or your intersectional identity. What about justice for everybody throughout, you know, the entirety of the culture, the civilization that you live in? These kind of questions aren't even being asked anymore. No. They're not even they're not even being brought to public purview anymore. Mm. Black people are more interested in talking about woman this, woman that, gay this, gay that. Then they are about like uplifting all folks in the country, all poor folks in the country, even if they Appalachian white folks. 
You know, like, and, and, and that's another thing. You know, I'm going to do a show on this maybe tomorrow or maybe Friday. But, you know, this conception that, you know, the white life has always been blissful. Like, you know, white marital relationships have always been blissful. That's a lie. Mm. It's, it's just, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, I, I, I was thinking about how, what, what the life like, what was life like for the average marital couple before industrialism to begin with? You had people who, who basically engaged in subsistence farming. Okay. And they didn't really leave the house to do the work. The work was on at the house if you wanted to live. So, you know, you you had to wash, clean, cook, gather wood, you know, farm animals and shit like that. It, you know, all this domestic, private versus public sphere shit, it didn't exist. Mm. Right. But, you know, and, and even white women's complaint about controlling white men and how white men get to go out and be autonomous, but white women are left in the house. That is a bourgeois white woman's problem, man. Because mm. most white women had to work as well. Most white women. Like those white European immigrants that came here, the white women European immigrants, they went to the sweatshops and the textile mills, dog. Uh-oh. They had little, little kids. Like, just look at the Christmas Carol, man. You have fucking kids working. Yo, little ass, you fucking put your hand in the loom, put your, put it in there, yeah. get that, yeah. get unjam that machine. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, this whole notion that you know, like, okay, well, I want to go out and work. I don't feel my purpose is being fulfilled, and all. That's a bourgeois ass problem, and unfortunately, I hate to say this, black women have be have become ensnared by this Bridgerton aspirationalism man it's based on like <laughs> no noble bourgeois society mm -hmm. that never existed that never fucking existed but i'll get you know i want to add to that though I, and that's really you know that speaks to what i meant by you know trying to emulate miss ann but here's here's the piece to it when you look at black men who are accused of wanting to emulate white men and dr curry deals with this well and the man not dismissing the notion one of the differences we never talked about is why we've seen such aspir aspirationalism in black women. And we don't we don't often see that same type of zeal with black men. And one of the reasons I argue is the difference is we're not as lured by the promise of social uh, acceptance. We're not lured by it because we don't enjoy it. Black men are, are, are in many respects left out of the conversation. We're it, 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 the, the progress we've seen, you know, especially in regard to any type of access is not necessarily a product of acceptance. It's, it's black men fighting against the grain, going up, upstream, if you will. But that's not the case, you know, for black women. Black women have been offered in a very different way. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a little piece of what I mean by that. Let me pull this up. I posted this on YouTube in my community tab uh, last night, and I posted it also um, in, uh, on Facebook. So let me go ahead and share it here. Um, I, I think I talked about this last year, BGS and I talked about it, but I went to find it cause I had misplaced it, but this is some data available on, um, uh, entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. right? right? And one of the things that a lot of people don't realize, cause we've been hearing so much about black women entrepreneurs and what right. you, have to, you have to look very carefully at the language. What they've been saying is that black women are starting businesses at a higher rate than any other demographic. A lot of that has to do with the pandemic, you know, 
loss of employment. A lot of that has mm-hmm. to do with a number of those things. But what people overlook is that even though black women have 36% of the entrepreneurial businesses in the black community, black men, right, have mm-hmm. 64. Right. So black men have more entrepreneurial businesses, but we don't. How many of y'all have seen programs, commercials, any of that that are targeting on black male owned entrepreneurial businesses and, and targeting them for uh, resources? Mm. I'll wait. Well, the, the, <laughs> the reason that you don't see that is because, first of all, you know, this this is I, I'm I'm saying it again. This is riding on the coattails. It's like trying to hide behind the drift of white feminism. I mean, and it's, it's, it's aspirationalism connected to the bourgeois concerns of white women during second wave feminism. Mm-hmm. You know, I want, I want a job, but you already, you always had a job. I mean, if you was a black woman, you always had to work. I mean, this is clear. Like there, there is no option to not work. If you're a black woman doing Jim Crow or, you know, doing slavery, you're going to work. Okay, and even like I think I posted an article, uh, and uh, you know uh, even uh, uh, Rami uh, Frimpong did a, a show on this about how you know where where black men had come home from World War One and Two, and uh, you know they had pensions and stuff like this, and they were you know able to support their entire families uh, without having to uh, have the, the labor of their women involved. And in New Jersey, like the the white people were like, we're going to put black women to work. Mm. We're going to like, we ain't got enough servants in our homes. We ain't got enough people to suckle our children's, you know, I mean, you know, to feed our children. So we don't have to. <laughs> we want somebody else to sweep our floors and to, you know, clean our toilets. Right. Miss Ann didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so at the end of the day, man, like all of this shit is riding the coattails of the aspira- uh, aspirationalism of white women. Uh, and, and, but but the, you know, let, me, let me finish real quick, though. But the, the question is, like, what is the consequence? What are the consequences of careerism if that's your ultimate ambition in life? Like, I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a vocation or a career or something that moves you and that, you know, satisfies you. I, I think that that's important. But is that all that there is? Like, I mean, like, is that it? Like, what about having a family life? What about, you know, rearing your children? What about learning skills that also can uh, apply to society at large? Because if you live in a family, you got to think more than just about yourself. You got to think about how you fit into a unit and how you can, you know, engage in social cooperation. But Gigi. But this is why I brought up the entrepreneurial component. And, and I just wanted I just want to tie it in because it's I think it's incredibly important because this is the this is the the post that I, I posted with that, right? Where we talk about the 64% of businesses owned by black men in the black community, also identifying the three major areas you find entrepreneurship, right? Healthcare, social assistance, business, you know, you tend to find a number of areas uh, where you have women. Um, the highest level, highest numbers were for prof- professional, scientific, uh, scientific and technical services with men. And then the third area had to do with business administrative uh, and support and waste management. Right. Well, the reason I posted this information is that despite how many black men are doing things that nobody gives them credit for, despite what extent they're doing it to. There's no acknowledgement of that. 
There are no resources being targeted for them, but there are being resource, there are resources being targeted toward black women. So the lure of, of not just social acceptance, but social advancement is far stronger for black women, right? The group deemed most enrolled in higher education in the last five or six years, seven years, you know, that the lure is so much stronger, despite how black men demonstrate every day what they're capable of. We are not lured in the same way because we haven't been targeted to uplift. And this is where you have to go back to James, James Sedanius's work. This is where you have to go back to Errol Miller. This is where you have to go back to those brothers who were explaining the implicit hostility, the institutional systemic hostility toward black men that plays out materially, plays out in terms of policy, plays out in terms of advantage, plays out in terms of advancement. We're not the targets. Yeah, and, and, and I would I would add so there one thing is, you know, I mean black let's just face it, black black women are not threats to white people. Um they're not threats to white people and white society. And that's why white people have, have always been comfortable with black women as a group. Um and they have been close to them. Black women as a group historically to white people. Um that's that's one thing. They're not threats. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, and I keep saying this, man, you know, they're colonized. They, they, they are commodified objects of colonialism. Yes. That is, is that these business programs, here's the thing, whoever's funding this stuff, whatever white entities, they get to make brochures and pamphlets and they get to put the faces of black women on the cover of those things. And they get to, they get to say to other white people, and to other anti-black women that they're inclusive and that they're diverse. And this is the way we deal with, you know, diversity or what have you. This is a shortcut. This is a, a Band-Aid, um, you know, over a bullet wound. You know what I mean? And, 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 and it requires that you, yeah, you don't, you don't deal with black men. You ignore them. Black women are the shortcuts because there's no demand here. Careerism, careerism does not place any demand on this system. Why supremacy? It doesn't. It, it is, I mean, if you think, you know, I just be honest, you know, careerism is apolitical. Mm. And, and I'm calling all this politics that we're talking about yes. fundamentally apolitical, yes. you know? And we have, we have to acknowledge that that is what the, the vast majority of the black professional class has accepted in an apolitical posture uh, toward our condition in the United States. It doesn't cost white people anything. Exactly. All the money, all the money. Let me tell you something. What Goldman Sachs, that, that, that 100, $100 million reserve that they have, that's a drop in the bucket for Goldman Sachs. You, you, you know how much money Goldman Sachs is. You know what I'm saying? They wipe their asses with that with a hundred million dollars. Okay, and so, 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 you know, doing that, doing that is is just it's just a shortcut. It says we, we you know we, we don't want to deal with real repair. We don't want to deal with the damage that has been done uh, to black people, uh, which includes you know, black men and black boys and what have you, because it's really going to cost. <laughs> it's going to cost some money to deal with the black male situation. Mm -hmm. and, and there are people who know that it's going to cost a lot of money. 
we're talking about trillions and trillions of dollars to deal with this blackmail situation. And, and so they know what they're doing. Yeah. And, and I've said that before. I call it, you know, recently, you know, it's crass what I call it, but I sometimes I, you know, I speak using pejoratives so I can, you know, help people to understand without using graduated terminology what it is that I'm trying to say. But mm-hmm. I call it the politics of fucking. Like, I mean, it, all you got to do is hire a trans person or, you know, have a trans person fit into a scheme that already exists. You, It's mitigative change. It's not paradigmatic change. It's not substantive change in the basic structure of the culture in which we live. It's just plugging a token into a spot and then it absolves the key players in our culture and in our society from actually doing anything. It obviates the need for them to fulfill duties related to economic justice. Okay. It it just, okay. So just like, you know, doc said, I agree. And I uh, disagree with what he says. Even the apolitical is political, but it's implicitly and tacitly political Mm. because you always have a political position, but their political position is, is hiding behind a veneer of, What's palatable, what's acceptable on the value stage set out in American culture and society. They're taking a political position, but it's a political position that already fits tightly within a groove. They don't want to go outside and do the hard work that black folks have traditionally done. This is basically assimilationism with no contestation whatsoever. And the corporations become the arbiters of morality. Uh-oh. That's the problem I have with this. They become the, the, they all they have to do is, it's public relations for them. But yeah, then they yeah. are able to convert public relations as a spectacle, which, in, which basically allows them to sidestep duty to actually do something related to traditional concepts about distributive justice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Re- even retributive justice, right? Social welfare. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm asking for a socialist state where everybody gets, you know, the, the exact same thing. But for crying out loud, we have a system where companies are the arbiters of whether or not you're going to have health care, bro. Yes. Like a corporation is the entity that controls and determines whether or not you're going to be able to pay your rent. And this is what the colonization of the life world actually is. We are not asking second and third order reflection questions about the values, the mores, and the standards we just tacitly accept. And, you know, that's why them brothers, man, that you you mentioned early on in uh, your show, where you talked about them basically trying to unionize Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's going to work for everybody. It doesn't matter if you white, doesn't matter if you gay, doesn't matter if you trans, doesn't matter if you bi, it don't matter if you Latino, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a paradigmatic shift in labor, uh, uh, you know, labor conditions mm-hmm. is what those guys are attempting to do. It's not the politics of fucking or sexual politics of acceptance and recognition. Mm-hmm. It's trying to say, okay, let's make it so that everybody who at least who works for this company and if, you know, the the suit 
wins, you know, and, and stays one, it doesn't get overturned, then it can change the dynamics of, of employers and employees right. throughout the country. Right. That's the kind of shit we need. That's that's the kind of that's the kind of political activism we're in need of. Not a group of people who are basically like I've been called a grifter in this space, which to me is a swindler. Somebody who false mm. advertises, mm. Who, who basically says, this is what we're offering. And then when you buy what it is that you say you uh, you want, you get a different package in the mail. <laughs> you understand what I mean? It's like you, you ordered the iPhone 13, but when you get the package, it's a motherfucking Samsung from 2005. <laughs> And that's the shit that BLM did. You know, that, that's not old school black activism from either mm -hmm. males or females. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there, there has been a shift. And the shift, I'm, it's the lack of critical reflection about what these women have been writing for the past 50 and 60 years. Nobody has challenged them. I mean, some of them have, you know, even among their own ranks have, you know, made statements like, Nancy Frazier, Iris Marion Young, uh, Sailor Ben Habib. Like uh, uh, most of those are deliberative Democrats, by the way. You know, they mm -hmm. they they follow in the vein of Habermas, even though they're critical of Habermas. But mm -hmm. the rest of these chicks, man, they, they, like they're just neoliberal feminists, man. And that's problematic. That shit is problematic, bro. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is. But yeah, see, see, and I think you know what's going to happen. Because you can't continue to put band-aids on stuff, man. You know, and um, um, I mean, we're gonna see another situation, another George Floyd situation. That's gonna happen again. Um, Stop. Yeah. There's gonna be, you know, more problems. You know, and and um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know that you're gonna have you you, you have a different response uh, to these. You know, to whatever crisis that is coming around the corner. And it's going to be a response. I'm talking about from the from the ground, from the grassroots people. I'm thinking it's going to be a response that's going to totally upend what these what these neoliberals are doing right now, because this is not sustainable. This is not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just not. And 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 these women who are going to be in these positions of power, mm -hmm. they're going to get grilled, man. They're going to get yeah. grilled. They, they're going to have to. It's, it's, they're going to have to account for. Mm -hmm. Um, the choices that they have made, uh, their 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 inaction, mm -hmm. and everything they're gonna have to account for it. Yeah. You know, you you can't you can't uh, wear the crown, you know, and and, and not mm -hmm. deal with what comes with it. Yeah, because where does the buck stop, right? Yeah, the buck stops with them. But the, my issue is is that tokenism has never been a solution to the to to the, the problem of the black masses. Mm -hmm. You know, like I mean. Who, who gives a shit if you got like a few black folks in powerful positions and you get to see people like that? We right, saw that right. shit with Obama. We saw it with Clarence Thomas. We, we're seeing it now with, uh, you know, uh, I can't, uh, Katanji okay. with, uh, you know, the, the vice president, mm -hmm. Kamala. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, Stokely Carmichael wrote about this shit when he wrote Black Power. Mm -hmm. And it's like the lessons, people have already spoken about these issues. It's not like this is brand new. And he talked about tokenism and how it really isn't going to have a profound and substantive impact on the condition of black folks in the United States. Mm -hmm. 
He discussed that. But nobody wants to have like a candid conversation. All of these people now are deeply embroiled within the groove of the politics of recognition. It's being seen is more important. Being able to play in a sport where you're a trans person is more important than mm -hmm. a, a motherfucker getting knocked upside the head with a billy club. Because he, he looked like he might have had a weapon. A homeless motherfucker is not as important as you being able to marry somebody of the same sex and to have your representation put in, in a fucking brochure. Like, like Doc Neal was talking about. That's what's important now. And I came for the life of me figure out how we came to such a superficial politics, man. And most of the most of the problems that these groups say that they suffer from could be easily alleviated if they had a more materialistic dialectic approach. That's how I feel. But you know, or, or, or that's what I think. Because I know a lot of y'all don't like to, you know, have motherfuckers say they feel anything. So. <laughs> but, but you know, hey, uh, hey, we, hey, we we real over here, man. We we realist over here. <laughs> So yeah, man, I enjoy the conversation. I know you. I've been talking too long, so I'm I'm shutting no, up. No, I'm no, turning no, my mic. No, 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 no. Not at all. We yeah. haven't heard from you very much, so yeah. Speak yeah. up. We waiting. We waiting for the GG uh, to come back to to the airwaves. So you know. Oh, I'm coming back. Trust me, I will be back. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've been. You know, gotta take a break every now and then. I, I, the only thing that, that bothers me about mm -hmm. being in this space sometimes is that you know, like the insults from men to men. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, these some of these men consider themselves to be, you know, religious men mm. and, you know, members of religious groups and things like this. It's like, mm. why are mm. we gossiping, man? What the <laughs> fuck is all and doxing <laughs> each other and shit? Like, I mean, we, we, like we raised in a gynocracy and that's what women do. Like, I'm, I can't fucking engage in that, man. Like mm. when, when guys start doing that, man, I'm like, OK, yeah. I'm not going to talk about the same shit. Just so I can get a super chat over and over and over again, mm -hmm. it's gonna kill my spirit. Yeah, because because yeah. this ain't about dating to me. Mm -hmm. It's not about who you you know like women ain't acting right to me. Because they ain't gonna like I mean you might find somebody to act right, but at the end of the day, if they divorce you, they can still fuck you over. Mm. They can still alienate you from your children. Mm -hmm. They still have like the benefit of the doubt when it comes to domestic violence. Mm -hmm. There's still like a, a school to prison pipeline that black boys are, are primarily impacted and affected by. Exactly. We still got these low literacy rates for black boys. And we ain't talking about none of that. Motherfuckers don't hit the channel when you talk about that. Mm -hmm. But you talk about women, they oh, yeah. right there, bro. Mm -hmm. And like, I like a good conversation. You know, I like to lament about the shit that women do sometimes because I think sometimes that they're, they're operating by double standards and they're operating in bad faith. Sometimes I do, but it's yeah. like, man, my world ain't preoccupied with that shit on a twenty four seven loop, bro. Yeah, yeah. I can't do it, man. Like, I, I can do it to some degree, but I want to, like, I want to cover like academic ideas for real. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like these guys don't want that. And I want to do that shit. That's what I want to do. I think you know? for me, one of the issues is, is you know, I, I had somebody tell me earlier uh, this week that black men are not activists the way black women are because they're not in the street. And one of the things that, that you know, I responded with is, first of all, when you talk about street level activism, you have to understand that there have been generations worth of theory to perceive that, at least the current moment. 
I'm not mm-hmm. only talking about class critiques. I'm not only talking about nationalism. But even if you take things like intersectionality and these gender arguments, they came out of decades of mm-hmm. intellectual work that first. Well, when it comes to black men, and this goes to Gigi's point when he brought up the Amazon uh, cat who created the union, mm-hmm. black men for the longest have thought about uh, you know themselves communally. They've developed mm-hmm. ideas around activism communally, ideas that were supposed to benefit everybody. Mm-hmm. Seldom, if ever, have you seen black men frame an argument specifically for the benefit of black men, even though that's the accusation that black men have been getting since the 1960s. You've not really seen black men, uh, at, you know, really active solely on their own behalf. Never have. Never have. And Never so when have. you start to see feminists do it, they're very clear. I mean, we go back to the Ice Cube and the Coffee with Queens interview. Was, mm-hmm. That was just emblematic of something that's been going on for, for this last 40 years where women mm-hmm. are saying, no, we are specifically talking about ourselves. And now mm-hmm. black men are slowly starting to have these conversations. So what I try to tell people is, yeah, you may be you may, we may not be seeing brothers in the streets holding signs. And truthfully, mm-hmm. I, I'm not upset if that's not what organically comes out of these discussions. But black men yeah. are actually having discussions that other groups had decades ago. Well, the thing, having them now. Well, the thing is, we we've done that already. You know, uh, between um, between 1963 and 1972, black men b- burned down 300 cities. Okay, burned them down. You can't get any more active in the streets than that. Okay. The thing is, we had to transition into something else according to the environment that we're in. Uh, that time of marching, you can still do it, but that time really has passed. Mm-hmm. But here's the but here's the problem: mm-hmm. we didn't, we never developed the theory or the concepts around black male politics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we're we're going through a period where we're framing the vocabulary. We're still framing. Now this is, I think it's it's going to happen faster and other mm-hmm. movements because of the role technology plays, social media. Right. But mm-hmm. the point of the matter is that's where we are. We're at a very early stage, nation mm-hmm. stage, of trying mm-hmm. to define what exactly black male politics, black male studies, black male right. theory, what does it look like when we no longer prioritize everybody, mm-hmm. but we prioritize the specific needs of boys and men. And, and, and once you craft what that looks like, then over time, it, mm-hmm. it takes form in terms of acting. And like I said, the activism that may come from this may not appear the way we currently see it on television. So are, you, are you saying the man is black manosphere is the uh, Combe, uh, Combehee River Collective? I, I'm saying that, I'm, well, actually, you know, because I'm seeing different pockets. I see a pocket of the manosphere that's having that discussion. I see a pocket in black male studies. I see a pocket of black men in various spaces across different industries, across class having discussions that are really centering around what black men need. And they're coming from different places. This is, I mean, this is why I'm, you know, I'm seeing black male studies develop and I'm seeing the manosphere develop and they're, they're kind of interconnected. And then there are discussions that aren't, but they're, they're happening nonetheless because black men across different spectrums are asking similar questions and they're using their particular spaces to try and develop answers. And it's happening in such a way that is so pregnant with possibility that I can't help but be excited for what can come about. But I'm also a fierce protector of those dialogues, not being not being uh, sullied by other people's expectations that we feed into old narratives that have already been in play for generations. I don't want that shit. I, don't come in here asking why we don't sound like everybody else. Don't come in here asking why we don't support 
conventional politics that have been going on for the longest, right. conventional ideas or theories. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in black men shaping their own perceptions, coming at answers independently of previously established assumptions about what we should value. I'm interested in seeing black men do this on a distinctly black male set of terms in terms of our experiential realities. That's what I want to see happen. So that's what I'm trying to protect in this space and in other spaces as well. That's what needs to happen because for so long, so much of the work we did, like this brother from Amazon, is right. for everybody. Yeah, but at yes. the end of the day, who actually steps up for black men? Right. And and nobody. I mean, nobody does, man. Well, you know, well, some people are doing it, but but, but you you know, at, at the end of the day, man, you know, these black women have a language. There's right. largely the language of white feminism. All they did yeah. was threw race into yes. the mix. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, the, what we have to do is critique that that whole body of thought. That whole corpus has to be called into question. And unfortunately, yeah. there have been very few scholars who are willing to take on the task and to say, I mean, there are some people who've done it, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Damn, why is his name eluding me right now? The brother uh, who I did a video on, man. Uh, the brother with the part in the middle of his head, man. The OG. Ishmael Reed. Ishmael Reed. Reed. Okay. 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 One, one of the first persons, you know, to say, look, you can't just say that, black, you know, men, particularly black men, are the repository of evil and that there aren't any social exactly. problems or pathology that come from other people. Right. right? You right. can't just say... Right. That because we're going to use an additive concept of intersectionality that if we're free, everyone else is free because we're the most oppressed. Right. Yeah. This is not sophisticated thinking. It's not true. Yeah. It's not but really nobody's reality. no. Be, but because people want to preserve feelings and because mm -hmm. people are committed to inclusion and diversity right. more so than they are to the truth. Uh, and and because right now, I mean, you know, the, the post-structuralists argue that there is no truth. Right. You know, it's nothing but discourses competing with each other over power, mm -hmm. which to me is that's modern day sophistry. Mm -hmm. It's right. what it is. So, I, you know, the only thing that we lack is a group of white people to come endorse us and, to, you know, let us ride their way. We don't have mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So so uh, w what we're developing intellectually is going to be authentic off the bat. I just hope that we can get beyond the pettiness, mm -hmm. all the name calling, all the doxing, all mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the gossip shit, mm -hmm. you know. And then, you know, a great portion of what we have to talk about is our reaction to women. But it has to it has to become more sophisticated. And I'm a protector of this space as well. Like I'm, I'll mm -hmm. never lead a black manosphere. I know a lot of guys want to distance themselves from the sphere because, you know, they don't want to be a stereotype as you know a misogynist a woman hater or because mm -hmm. it ain't good for their business mm -hmm. you know yeah. they want to go yeah. mainstream or whatever the case may be i'm not interested in going mainstream i'm interested in evincing the truth i'm i'm interested in working in behalf of justice i mm -hmm. feel like i have a duty to that mm -hmm. and i know my experiences man haven't like just been the greatest in the world because i'm a dude like i got all this privilege there's one brother who who wrote in, in your comments you know, the reason why you don't see us and our issues being highlighted like they used to be is because, you know, they, they these women, these feminists have convinced everybody that we're privileged, even in our death, we're privileged. Yes. Yes. 
we got a problem, man. And no, and but the problem is nobody wants to publish this shit for real. I mean, like you know, they they'll allow a few people here and there to say something, but we need to inundate, you know, the, the market with this shit. We got to at some point. We you know, like our voices need to be heard. But you know, the life world has been colonized. The corporations have a monopoly on what's considered to be diverse and inclusive right now. They're mm -hmm. going with the least path of resistance. They're going with what works for them. And, you know, even on YouTube, man, this is a major corporation. Google owns this shit, bro. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they get to determine who, you know, whose content is, you know, acceptable for advertisers or not. Like, this, this, this content here is okay, but that content over there is not. Right. You know, like, that's how you know the life world is colonized because it's all about advertisers and who can be advertised, you know, whose channel can be advertised on and who can't, who's king. Mm -hmm. That's colonization of the life world, you know, um, but we got to keep talking, man. You know, we got to keep reasoning uh, and hopefully these reasons and hopefully these ideals can translate into some sort of, you know, dialogical exchange that moves beyond just the, you know, the, the visceral reactions that we get because exactly. i know a lot of people aren't listening to shit we have to say like you said to me earlier or you said something to the effect that somebody you know you had somebody listen to your channel you you know you asked one of your students asked a woman to you know listen to one of your shows and she was like i ain't got time for that it's taking too much for black girls or some shit like that right it was a, yeah it was a black woman professor and one of her former students asked her to listen to the show and that was her response. Yeah. So, you know, like what if black men took up that or even white men in the academy took up that position? Mm -hmm. Like, OK, well, we ain't going to listen to none of that shit. You know, mm -hmm. fuck what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with moral problems and dilemmas. And it actually, it's immoral to ask people to listen to you. But then you don't want to listen to anyone. Yeah, that's obstruction. So you know, I'm I'm done, bro. I, you know, you know, I, but and I'm also interested in, in in dealing with the obstructions that we bring to ourselves because one of the things I hear in the space a lot is a lot of basically a lot of alpha your way through it. I hear a lot of bootstrap, you know, kind of notions. I'm like, at some point, I want to see the discussion and the activity evolve. But in order for that to happen. I understand that this early stage, a lot of this still has to do with changing the worldview and the perspective people have because we've been shaped by our environment as well. You know, we're challenging others and how they've been shaped. We're challenging the event, the environment itself. So we have to continue to do that work because I'm hoping to see the activism manifest in a way that that creates change. And that's going to take time. It's not going to look like movements that have had 100 years to develop today. That's not going to happen. But whatever comes out of this needs to be a product of first, you know, appealing to and changing our mindset and how we approach issues and what we deem important. And one of the things that I've not found that even black men themselves find important is black men and boys. So that's one of the things I want to change. But I do appreciate all y'all coming and I apologize for, for holding you this long because I know everybody's got things to do, but I was really enjoying the discussion. So I got a little selfish. But we're going to close out uh, with each brother just kind of giving some some final thoughts um, and, uh, you know, 
due to age, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave BGS last. But uh, <laughs> Neil, uh, Gigi, either one of y'all want to go first? Yeah, closing thoughts about the the initial article around this push for Black women to reconsider marrying white men. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I'll just say, man. Again, you know that you know whiteness is a hell of a drug, man, and um, uh, we just have to recognize it for what it is and um and you know continue to you know you know to you know point out its errors and everything and um and you know you know keep this stuff man keep these ideas man um these problems on the chalk on the chopping on the chopping black block um i don't like ralph richard banks (laughs) you know and I, I said I was going to, you know, prior to coming on the show, I was like, I'm going to have to, you know, be restrained because I, I really wanted to call them all kind of BANs and everything like that. Um, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I got, I was on Obsidian show last week and I kind of went reckless. I said I, I said, I said, I said, I said I wasn't going to do that this week because I, I got, I, I respect my brothers. I, I, I respect old man too. And I, you know, everybody, you know what I'm saying? But, right. and it was heated because we were talking about the Jada stuff, you know what I mean? And, and this stuff, this stuff can get you heated, man, because the, the misandry is so deep, man. Yes, you sir. know, it is. And, and to get it from a, a, another black man, you know, it is so deep and i have i have met and encountered people like him with that kind mm-hmm. of perspective throughout my my career and everything and so um it it, it really hits it really hits home man but um yeah, let's just yeah. continue to keep it going man and i appreciate the conversation i look forward to the next round yeah that winner that winter soldiership is real man yeah. all right uh shout out to dr neil and the reason i put the names on the screen is so you guys can Go to their channel, support what they're doing. Um, you know, um, but Gigi, any closing thoughts, good brother? Yeah, man, you know, uh, I would encourage people to go back and look at uh, chapter two of Franz Fanon's work, The Woman of Color and the White Man, mm. and uh, to go look at uh, what his concept of love consists in or consists of, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Personally, man, I I don't have a problem with people marrying outside of their race. Mm-hmm. If that's you know, if they find somebody that they want, they like, you know, that they're compatible with, uh, along uh, a whole bunch of lines, you know, I, do what you want. You know, uh, I think racism is silly anyway uh, at its core. I, I, do I think it's going to end anytime soon? Not no uh, by any stretch of the imagination, because I'm a realist about that, mm-hmm. but. Marry who you who you like, who you love, and who you feel like you know you have something in common with. Uh, but don't use interracial marriage as a, a crutch to try to you know remove yourself from you know the the, the grasp of racism. It won't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a fool's errand. And uh, also, if that's what you're attempting to do. Then you're using the other person, mm-hmm. and that that's just not like that's that's not moral. That's 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 unscrupulous. Mm-hmm. You don't marry people in order to transcend blackness. You marry people because you love them. You want to build a life together and develop mm-hmm. a legacy, and have a mutually uh, shared or you know a, a, 
a substantive interchange, you know, of, of your lives. So if that's what you want to do, do that. But don't 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 use black men as, as a means by which to justify, you know, your decision making as in terms of marriage. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not going to even avoid the problem. You say that you're trying to. And, and, and also, if you have children, you're going to give birth to another generation of kids who are going to, you know, basically be saddled with the same kind of problems because you, you, you're not really actually addressing the issue. The tragic so, mulatto, huh? Man, it's just, it's, it's crazy. But anyway, man, uh, thank you, Doc. And uh, on a personal note, check them joints out for me, dog, and, and see if you like them. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I want to get that off my desk. You know, I want you to uh, want you to know that, I, you know, I'm dedicated to uh, getting it to up to your snuff and that and satisfaction. No, 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 I appreciate it. And it's already there. Uh, y'all make sure you support uh, the Green Gorilla channel, but also uh, support his work doing Afrobeat. And, here, and, and he just opened a whole nother arm to his uh, to his uh, business. And that is, you know, he does. He'll do theme music for you. So if you can actually reach out to the brother, tell him, show him the different things you're interested in. And you can contract him to develop custom made music mm-hmm. for what you're doing. Yeah. So shout out to Green Gorilla, brilliant brother on a number of different levels. Uh, so make sure you support him. Also support Dr. Ronald Neal's channel here on YouTube. Uh, you know, go to both. That's why I put the names on the screen so you guys can can, can, can do go do that. Um, but anyway, but I appreciate you, Gigi. Thank you. Y'all be good, man. I'll holler at y'all later. Man. All right, all right. Thanks, all right. Gigi. Peace. Peace. All right, go ahead and close this out, Brother BGS. You know what I was just thinking, uh, what what you're saying about uh, the sacrifice that black men have made and how they have made it, uh, you know, the flag blackness, but also uh, um, the justice struggle for all people, right? Even Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, they all did, they did it for, uh, for a group of people, for all people, not just black men, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought about a line to, from the uh, Isley Brothers, Harvest for the World, right? Because mm. line says... Uh, those of us that sacrifice come home with the least yeah. and that has been black men right uh if because we we looked at the struggle for uh for civil rights and affirmative action right especially during the Kerner commission right because of all the the disturbances and the riots okay those jobs and those advances were specifically for black men right Guess who got the bulk of those things? And guess who came up with the least? Black men came up with less than five percent of those receipts. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they had the, those. Those. And these are the people that put their bodies on the line, put their lives on the line, put their freedom on the line, actually ha- lift black people out of their poverty, impoverished positions. But because it's about education, it's about housing, it's about access to jobs and access to uh, a, de- a decent lifestyle. That's what they're actually fighting for. They weren't fighting for it just for themselves. They're fighting for everybody. Mm-hmm. But guess who got the least rewards for it? It's black yeah. men. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the time you get to the late 1980s, when we come up, we come up with a gender theory to explain everything. Black women are the most oppressed group. Black men are partially privileged. And there you go. And, 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 and white women, even though they're the majority, have come up as a minority. Absolutely. Absolutely. White white women were not considered part of the Civil Rights Bill of Affirmative Action before 1968. Yes, sir. Look, man, I appreciate you coming out. Y'all got to know, BGS went from, you know, working for several hours with his grandson 
to pop in here and jump in this discussion. So I just want you to know, I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate the contribution, the time, the effort, because um, I know you got a lot going on. But thank you. Oh, I appreciate you, sir. I mean, you guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be in, 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 the, in the room with, uh, with, with esteemed men like yourselves, man. So I'm humbled. Uh, I'm truly humbled. Well, shout out to you, good brother. All right, uh, let me go ahead and and uh, and all you people, do you know we got what uh, seven hundred people, you know six hundred people still watching. Before you leave, at least subscribe, okay? Whether you whether you uns don't like the channel after you finish watching it or, or or peruse to it, but at least while you're here, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, you know, and donate, okay? Hit the cash app, hit the uh, you know hit the uh, super chats, whatever, right? Support this work, right? Because uh, if, if 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 Doc succeeds, then more people will actually come in behind him, right? They'll see, okay, it's working for him. It'll work for us too. That's how you get change, okay? It takes one man, right? He's the first. I always say he's the first, okay? He's succeeding, and the more he succeeds, the more this movement will succeed, all right? We can't do it by ourselves, okay? We have to expand. But anyway, that's all I got. Much appreciated, good brother. All right, man. Have a good night. All right. All right, y'all. I appreciate you guys being here. Appreciate the contributions. I hope the discussion was, uh, you know, edifying, useful. Uh, like, you know, share it. Please hit the like button. Uh, support the channel. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say in closing, as far as this piece by Banks, um, I felt the same way I did about the article as I did his book. Um, I don't think that he's doing anybody a service in particular, let alone black women. I think if anything, he's setting up a lot of women for a, a different type of failure. I think that's already going to be a problem. But the subtext of his article was rooted in misandry. It was rooted in anti-black misandry. It was rooted in the idea that black men are lesser beings. And in and of themselves, they're no more than a problem to black women. He doesn't frame the relationship between black men and women in any other way. And he frames white men as a solution. And I think we've seen over the last number of years in terms of the abuses of black women at the hands of white men, at least made public, because this is not new, but at least made public, that enough should give people pause to reconsider whether this idea of somehow framing white men as something beyond human um, actually works in the real world. And when you frame it with this article in mind, only showing you pictures of elite white men, is that really what the average black woman can expect if she she wakes up tomorrow and decides to go marry a white man? Is George Lucas, that's on the agenda? Really? Robert De Niro, that's what's happening? Yeah. All right. I think you're setting a lot of people up for some problems. The reality is the majority of each racial group basically gets down with each other. And, and that is going to be what it is. Now, there will be a portion of brothers who can afford to travel that will engage in whatever they find. They would be the same with sisters. They're doing the same thing. What I tend to find, however, is that a lot of brothers, despite the accusations of interraciality, tend to look for black women from other countries if they're, if they're going to travel. Tends to be another part of the discussion we don't have because black men do have a love for black women. There are issues that black men have native to America, native to the advancement of feminism that nobody wants to hear on a public stage. So they respond in very unique and creative ways that are often dismissed and reframed as childlike, primitive, and, you know, for the most part, um, unreflected upon. And all of those things are inaccurate, but you got to get into the granular details and conversations to find that out. Nevertheless, appreciate y'all support. Jacuzzi, welcome to the Onyx Brotherhood. 
uh, Gilgami. Appreciate that support. And I hope you guys have a good night. All right. And uh, y'all will see me soon. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man-children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.